0: Welcome, Rink Rats, to this Blackhawks Hockey Rinkcast Episode 18, exclusively sponsored by the Premium Hockey Outfitters at puckhockey.com, that's P-U-C-K-H-C-K-Y.com, use that discount code, the rink, and you'll get 10% off all of your orders, and we should hopefully soon have that rink gear ready to go, so uh, all ready for the summer, hopefully, Um, that's what we're hoping for, so. Anyway, today is Wednesday, March 21st, 2018. I am Jeff Osborne, better known across the, these their interwebs as Gatekeeper.
1: What's up, Jax?
0: And today I'm not joined by the grumpy, the other grumpy old guy. Uh, John had some uh, previous engagements he had to take care of tonight, so he's not, he's not joining us. But tonight we have a very special co-host, from formerly from the 312 podcast and from sportsmockery.com. Uh we have our boy Zo, Matsuwaski. How you doing, sir?
1: What's going on, everybody? I promise to give it my best effort and try to come up with the grumpiness that you all miss in JJ.
0: <laughs> yes, Satan. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so it's nice to have you on, my friend. Um
1: good to be here.
0: Good, good. Well, shortly we're gonna be talking with Sean Rourke from the NHL.com. Um But we wanted to come on. I asked for questions. I didn't really know how this was going to go. We took last week off. Um, I asked for questions, and I got a ton of questions. I probably got five, six times more questions than we've ever gotten. So we're going to turn this into a mailbag segment or a mailbag uh, episode. Uh, Bag. Yeah, bag. Sack. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, phrasing. So – but we do want to get in with we we we're, we did a, a long interview with Sean. We talked a little bit of hockey, Blackhawks, and we talked a little bit of metal. You you're, you're welcome to skip over some of the metal part if you want. But we did. I had to. I, I couldn't have Sean on without talking about a little bit of heavy metal. So I will
1: say the metal stuff's good though. I don't particularly listen to heavy metal. I don't not like it. I just don't actively seek it out. But even as someone who has a very small knowledge of metal, it was you can tell when two people are very passionate about something and they're talking about it, it makes it more interesting. It was, I found it interesting.
0: Yeah. Right. Um, I mean, we've kind of, I kind of gone away, you know, since we I moved over from pocket hostel kind of gone away a little bit from the metal. I mean, we still use it in the intro and the podcast and stuff like that, but I was really, you know, every, every song title of pocket hostel was a metal song or it was a, a, a lyric from a metal song for, you know, uh, seven years or something like that. I did that. So I was, you know, deeply entrenched and, you know, we have uh, Patrick on from uh, Demon Hunter and we're going to have Mark on, Mark Holcomb from Band Periphery. And uh, so, you know, I try to at least keep it in a little bit. Uh, so it was nice to have Sean on because I know, you know, I've listened to him with uh, Brian Slagle on their podcast and, and I know that uh, they go deep dive on, on metal and that some of their, some of their taste is way harder than my taste as far as, uh you know <laughs> as far as metal goes but you know <laughs> boring <laughs> so no no
1: you're fine and <laughs> even if you're not in it for the metal i will say as a diehard blackhawks fan someone who's deep in the blackhawks it's always good to hear what someone outside our little realm of blackhawks fanness thinks about what's going on and I mean, who better than a guy like Sean, who knows the league like the back of his hand? And I'm going to, without giving it away, Blackhawks fans, you're going to want to hear what he's got to say.
0: Right. Well, I guess with that being said, um, let's try, let's get right into our interview with uh, Sean here. So here we go. So today we are joined by senior writer, director of editorial for NHL.com and fellow, and of course, the most important thing, fellow metalhead, Sean Rourke. <laughs>
2: happy to be here that's a that's a big title it doesn't really mean anything but uh happy to be here
0: well thanks for joining us man you know i I, just a little bit of a background with this um you do a podcast with brian slagle from metal blade records uh you guys do it like once a month roughly uh you guys bring on guys kind of do the crossover thing where you get some hockey guys on that are metalheads and talk about that and uh and, and kind of that right
2: yeah yeah so yeah, I met Brian right before the 2010 Olympics in Vancouver uh, through a mutual friend. We did a hockey story about that. He went and saw all the games. Brian's probably the biggest hockey fan I know. Um, might even be a bigger hockey fan than me. Um, and uh, I pitched him. I was like, hey, man, we should do something where, you know, every rock star wants to be a pro athlete and every pro athlete wants to be a rock star um that we should talk to the people that do that and that's what we've kind of done it's branched out a little bit we've done some some writers and some other stuff but the core of what we do is you know rock guys that want to play sports um and, and sports guys that want to be rock stars we do a ton of hockey because brian really loves that and that's my bread and butter but we've had baseball players on football players um we've kind of run the gamut and um it's been pretty awesome. It's been, uh, I think, uh, four years now that we've been doing it. And we've had some repeat guests. Mike McKenna, who's uh, back in Dallas right now with mm-hmm. Bishop Hurt, has been on like five times. He's, he's a pretty good, uh, knowledgeable metalhead. So he probably he's probably the leader of the pack right now.
0: Yeah, yeah. that's it, It's good stuff, man. And it's not like you guys are, you know, you, people get backlogged or anything like that. It's like a once-a-month thing. So people could go probably download a whole year's worth and listen if they're really interested in that. So. Um,
2: yeah yeah, no for sure they're all available it's called metal misconduct and they're all available on itunes or wherever you get your podcasts uh the neat thing about ours is we do it live as well or air it we tape it and then it airs live on um excuse me hard radio which is kind of the biggest heavy music site on on the internet and that's the first saturday of every month
0: cool awesome man well just and and you know you're, you're probably not super familiar with us but we've actually had some guys on um We've had Patrick, uh, who's a guitarist from the band Demon Hunter. He's a big Blackhawks okay. fan, and uh, he's been on twice already. And in the future, we're going to be having Mark Holcomb, who's a guitarist from the band Periphery. Um, okay. He's a huge Blackhawks fan as well, and he's his entire band is all Capitals fans. So that's going to be interesting. He's going to get to be able to talk about that a little bit. And, and going back to uh, Patrick... He actually lives in Nashville, so he has to deal with the, you know, the, the situation down there being a Blackhawks fan living in Nashville. So pretty interesting.
2: Yeah, no, that is interesting. I live in Jersey now, but I grew up in New England, and I'm a huge Patriot fan, and I live among J- Giant fans, so I can feel his pain.
0: <laughs> awesome, awesome. Well, getting more into what you, you know, you yourself, um, what do you do over at NHL.com, just for people who aren't familiar with what you do or your work? So
2: yeah, so basically, uh, as the director of editorial, I, I'm kind of responsible for how we cover how we cover the sport at NHL.com. Um, you know, we've aggressively added to our staff in the last couple of years. Uh, Tracy Myers, based out of Chicago, has joined us. Nick right. Kostaniko out of uh, Detroit. Tom Galitti in Washington. Emily Benjamin wow. in uh, Boston, and so on and so forth. We've added about uh, nine full-time writers, along with the correspondent in every city, except for the the four around our office, the metropolitan area, and the, um, uh, and Philadelphia. So, um, we have a pretty big staff and I, it's kind of my job to figure out where they're all going to be, how we're going to cover major events like the Stanley cup final, uh, the various outdoor games and other things that go on. Um, and that's the, that's the biggest part of my job. I grew up as a writer. Um, I've been doing this, uh, since 1990 mm-hmm. and Sorry about that. School's
0: canceled tomorrow. (laughs) Don't worry about it.
2: Um, But uh, I've been doing this since uh, 1990 in the newspaper business and now here. Um, Cool. And uh, so uh, I also write a little bit.
0: Right. Awesome. Cool, man. Well, let's jump right into it a little bit. And, uh, you know, since you're you're more familiar with the entire league itself and we're kind of, you know, Blackhawks-focused, what is your opinion about, you know, or, or what, what are the thoughts about what's going on with the Blackhawks?
2: Uh, my thoughts with what's going on with the Blackhawks is it's kind of a bad, it, it's a bad year for everything to go wrong. And everything has gone wrong. Yeah. Between losing your starting goaltender, your key players not playing well, um, your depth getting exposed, Marion Hossa not being available since the beginning of the year. Um, it's kind of been a nightmare from the start for the Blackhawks and. It's difficult because it's been ten years of success now, um, but I, you know I, I think that uh, you know you have this year and it's kind of tough to make decisions. I know everybody wants change to happen because it's unacceptable, um, but I, I just I really do think this was like a uh, almost like a magic bullet. I mean everything that could go wrong has gone wrong, and it's pretty hard to judge anybody on it. Um, so that's kind of how I look at it, you know. Especially with them getting eliminated now, um, and it being so fresh in everybody's mind, and everybody trying to figure out what went wrong. And there are things that need to be addressed, but I, I just think you know, we have to take main assault and say we have had a good decade-long run, and let's let's see what happens when we try and put it back together this year.
0: Right. Yeah. Now, you know, we've gone back and forth too. Uh, and Zo as well. Uh, he he actually was uh, a member of another podcast in the Chicagoland area, so he kind of covered more more of the grand scheme of like you know the Bulls, the Bears, the you know all, all the sports. But he's he, he's a big uh big puckhead, so you know he's really been uh you know he's been on our show a couple times. But uh, a lot of questions are out there as far as you know has the window the quote unquote window closed and you know with there was there were some comments today I guess uh, Craig Cousins interviewed Stan Bowman and said that you know uh the guys are getting older like Kane Taves getting older uh Keiths getting much older Seabrook you know he we're seeing a fall off from him Crawford's not getting any younger but what do you what do you say when when you hear you know the championship Blackhawks window is closed
2: Well, I, I say it's not I mean look it- Patrick Kane's 29. I, I don't know that there's much wrong with him. Uh, Jonathan Tays same age. I you know I, I'm curious. His his numbers have gone down steadily for the last few years. Um, so I, I'm a little bit more concerned there. Um, you know if Crawford's healthy, he's an elite goaltender. I, I think the numbers prove that. If he's healthy, is a huge part of it. You know he's never played 60 games in this league, and for your number one, that that's a number you want to see him hit, and it, it's hard. When, when he never does. Yeah. Uh, you know, I think they, they now know that they're going to have to address their backup goaltending yeah. position and, and, and get somebody who can handle the workload. I mean, it burnt them this year. I, I think they need somebody that's experienced and, and can kind of take that load if, the, if it needs to happen. Um, but, you know, you look around the league, and, like, I, I think a prime example is last year the, kind of the, the teeth gnashing and hand-wringing that went on in L.A., right? Mm-hmm. All of a sudden, hey, their window's closing. Anze Kopitar's a shell of himself. Dustin Brown's a shell of himself. Um, you know, there were a lot of things going on in, in, in uh, Los Angeles that year. You know, Dustin Brown had had his, his captaincy taken away. That's, that's very awkward for both the guy who walks into it and the guy who's losing it. Um, you know, they had played a lot of hockey, just like Chicago. I mean, those two teams have gone mad at it hammers and tongs for the last decade. There's a lot of mileage put on some of these guys. You know, I was just looking, and and Jonathan Tays is 29 years old and he's got over a thousand games on his body. When you add uh, when you add playoffs and uh, and regular season, right. that's a lot of hockey. Duncan Keith has over 1,200 games on his body, and they're not easy games. I mean, the, this team has played a lot of important hockey in the last decade. So I, I think you know if you're looking for kind of a silver lining of not making the playoffs is you've added a two-month recovery window that they're not used to having. I know they went out in the first round the last two years, uh, um, but this is even longer. And, and Look, it starts now because there's no stress left. There's no stress left for the last eight to ten games you're going to play over these last three weeks. You're out. There's nothing you can do about it. I mean, you're still going to play hockey, but it's not that day-in, day-out grind of having to get better and what's next and who do we have to prepare for. Um, it's a time for some of these guys to be able to kind of rest their bodies a little bit, rest their minds a little bit, and think about what's going to happen for next year, what they need to do better, um, what type of players they need to be. I, I think people always forget when when a season goes long. You know, they look at the physical aspect of it, and it's horrendous. The mental aspect of playing that much high intensity hockey is debilitating. I think for players, and and I think at some point you just have to decompress and. And this is going to be the opportunity for a lot of these guys to be able to do that.
1: Hey, Sean, this is uh, Matt Swastik Zo here. Curious, because your position kind of at the central, you're in the center of the hockey universe. And, you know, it's no secret. And us Chicago fans know that, well, some knowledgeable fans know how we're perceived around the league and especially enjoying 10 years of consecutive playoff appearances but do you think that outside of chicago fans are almost somewhat i don't want to say happy but not sad that the hawks (laughs) missed it this year
2: yeah of course i mean i think anytime there's a dominant team you know in any sport that there there's always happiness that that they don't make it you know i just mentioned that i grew up in new england and i'm a big patriots fan you know, when they lose or they don't make it, people are happy because they want to mm-hmm. see other people kind of have a kick at the can. And and they're, they're players that maybe you admire deep down in your heart, but you would never admit to admiring because they've caused so much pain for you. Um, so so I do, you know, I think there are people that are rubbing their hands and saying, good, it's about time. They're not any good. And and now here's our chance. I think that's the biggest thing, right? If right. you're a playoff, and all of a sudden you're looking at the West and you're like, you know what, I don't have to go through Chicago. I don't care that it was a down year for them. Once the playoffs start, it's a completely different story, right? You guys know it from last year. Nashville gets in as the eight, and they run to within two games of the Stanley Cup final. Personally, it, you know, Chicago found a way to win ten more games, you know, with Crawford out if their goaltending had been a little bit better, if their defense had been a little bit better. All of a sudden, Crawford gets healthy. They're sitting in the eight spot. That's no reward at all for the number one, number two team if they're at eight or seven. Nashville and Winnipeg are sitting there, and they're like, oh, man, I don't want to play this team. They have a good goalie. They have proven D that struggled a little bit, but you never know what's going to happen in a series. And they have game-breaking forwards. Um, so, yeah, no, I do think there are some people that are that are happy. I think happy is the right term. Right? You try to couch it. I think there are people that are happy that the Blackhawks on in.
0: Yeah, some more than others, like Nashville. We've just been hearing it relentlessly since they were swept last year. But you know, well,
2: it's a good it's a good time to be a Nashville fan, right? And they've earned it. Yeah, they, they they paid their dues, and I mean, what people forget, and and it's such a generational thing, and it's such a cyclical thing, is that people forget that there's fans in this game that have been fans for less than ten years. A lot of them, right? Whether it's young kids that have grown up. Whether it's people that are new to the bandwagon, so to speak, and have been, you know, swayed by how exciting the game is, or, or whatever it might be, that don't really have that institutional memory of Chicago being bad, right? And then, oh well, they've always been good. It's about time they be bad. Um, you know, that's <laughs> not the case. People that have been fans for a long time are like, hey, the things were a lot worse than this. We'll take this. But, you know, I think a lot of times you have to remember that especially the most vociferous fans and the ones that are involved in social media and, and and all that kind of stuff are the younger fans who maybe don't realize that there was a very bleak time in Chicago Blackhawks yeah. history before this renaissance came along.
0: Right. Yeah, for sure. Like the, the first seven years of the 2000s, for sure. And somewhere- well,
2: exactly. And, and people, like I said, Look, even I, I've been covering the league since 90, 94 was my first full-time year on, on the beat. And then it was here in New Jersey, I was covering the Devils and the Rangers. And the Devils had been bad their whole career. They had made the playoffs once in, in 88. And then they hadn't really done anything until that run in 94. Then they win the cup in 95. They go on, they win two more cups. And for a long time here, people were happy when they went back into into obscurity and and couldn't win and, and couldn't do things because they didn't want to hear about it anymore, especially Ranger fans who were, you know, their franchise is much older and didn't, hasn't had more success than the Devils had in that short window of time. Um, so, and now that they're coming back out of it a little bit, I don't know that they make the playoffs this year. They're kind of right on the, the precipice, but they have some young players that are pretty good. Nico Escher, um, Taylor Hall, obviously mm-hmm. they've added, Will Butcher, um, they're back on the upswing But there's there's fans here in the New York Metropolitan area that don't remember Those Stanley Cup runs and have only known The Devils as a not very good hockey team So um, there's those That live and die with it and then there's the Majority who kind of either put it Away or come to it late or, or Whatever so I, I think The memories are, are more fresh than Anything and that's why there's So much happiness about it
0: Yeah that makes us all feel old too
2: <laughs> Well like I just told you my first game as a professional journalist was in 1994. I feel old, old. Wow. Yeah. That,
0: that was that was two years I was 12, after I graduated high school. So yeah.
2: Yeah. Well, My first game.
0: Yeah. <laughs> I yeah. Wish. So I'm going to start with more of the contentious part as far as the Blackhawks go with, and I'm going to end more on a good note. And, and Zoe's going to find this funny, and I'll explain why, or at least the 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 good the quote unquote good part, um, but. You know, a lot around the league uh, involves, you know, uh, Stan Bowman and Joel Quenville. You know, actually more in the Chicagoland area. But that, you know, maybe Q's message has gotten old. Maybe Stan Bowman, you know, he's been more under the microscope. That More of his deals and some of the contracts he's given out just don't seem to make sense. Um, Do you think that, and and a lot of people have said this too, that that they think that, you know, they deserve another year at the helm to try and fix this thing. And some, you know, other people, experts, whatever, uh, say that, you know, one or both need to go. What What is your opinion on the Kendall, uh Bowman situation?
2: Well, uh, you know, we talked about it a little bit. and Everything that went wrong, I think you can make a case that losing Crawford after 29 games gives everybody kind of a permission slip, right, to, to come back because if, if you're trying to explain yourself in any job, right, mm-hmm. if if the, if the league asked me why I couldn't cover the league and they only gave me two writers, everybody else was sick, you know, I'd be like, hey, I don't have enough resources to do what you've asked me to do, you know, let's get me the resources, and then if I don't do it, we can make that decision, and I think that's the argument that's going to be made, and, and I'll tell you, if, if Joel Quinville makes that argument to me, I think I'm buying, right, like, you guys talked about the first seven years of the 2000s. Well, what year did Joel come here? In 2008. And I know he came with some some players that really turned this franchise around. But um, to, to discount what Joel's done, I, I think it's a huge mistake. I look at this team,
1: mm-hmm. and,
2: and I think even though they missed the playoffs, like Joel's done a really good job, in my opinion, with with what he's been able to do with some of the things that he's been given. He knows he doesn't have the best defense that he's had in in the time, in the tenure that he was there. I think he's done some good things with some players that nobody really talks about, nobody really knows about. And then up front, like, I look at the young players, this next generation of young players that are coming in. He's been really good with them. Like, I thought, you know, Alex Debrincat scores a hat-trick the other day. And right before that, I'm thinking, maybe this kid's hit a wall. Like, he's never gone very long without scoring goals. Maybe his confidence is in tatters. And then, you know, he scores a hat-trick his third of the season, and, and you're like, I wonder how that happened. And then you think about it, and you go and you look, you know, and, and Alex has been pretty protected this year um, in his matchups, and the way he's been deployed, um, all the kind of things that you need to do with young players. And I know people because Joel's gruff, and, you know, he doesn't answer questions in the way a lot of people want him to, and his voice, you know, it always sounds like he's yelling at everybody. Like, he He's not as, as much of a totalitarian disciplinarian, I think, as some people think he is. He could still coach, and he could coach young players. And and I don't, I'm not sure that the older players have tuned them out. You know, people say that a lot. People have said the same thing about Peter Laviolette, and he almost won the Stanley Cup last year, and he's on the verge of finishing the season as the President's Trophy winner this year. And you know, in a, the recent PA poll they had of all the players, a lot of a lot of players said that they'd like to play for him. I don't think professional athletes mind getting yelled at. I think they mind not being prepared and not being ready to go into battle and not knowing what they're going to face. And I don't think that the Chicago Blackhawks have ever faced that this year. I think every time they've walked on the ice, they know what the other team's going to do. They know how to counter it tactically, and they haven't executed. And at some point, that's the coach's fault, but I don't know if it is right now. Okay. Um, and then you want to talk about Stan, I think. Yeah. And that one's a little different because there's a lot of money tied up and a lot of the players that didn't perform well. But, again, the one thing I would argue is when those players got those contracts, nobody in Chicago was advocating that they go away, right? The window was wide open. Hey, when's this ever going to come again? You know, I'll trade a couple of years on the back end for another Stanley Cup. People forget all those promises that they make, right, when you're in the middle of that run and you're full of passion, (laughs) You know, sign this guy. I don't care what it costs. He's the guy. Get him at the trade deadline. Give him another two-year extension. He's going to win us the cup. We need this right now. Yeah, well, remember that when all of a sudden that guy's 35 years old and he's a shell of who he was and you're still paying him a lot of money. So I think a lot of the moves that Stan made he had to make at the time, and now he needs to show, like he has in the past, everybody also forgets that he's wiggled out of two Two sessions of complete cap hell and won another cup so I, I think I would give him an off season to wheel and deal a little bit and see where you stand at the end of next year
0: yeah I know uh, you know a lot of people are upset with the, like some of the moves that, that they made last year with you know trading Panarin and uh, Traden Jalmerson and uh, you know me and uh, you know Zoe and uh, and, and mm-hmm. you know, our, co- our other co-host John Jekyll, Um we were all on board like we understood what was going on, we understood why he made the moves. You know, we we understood that they were going to be popular with with the general fan base, but um, you know, financially and going forward, we understood where where this was going. So,
2: yeah, and I, I think the hard part is not that those guys are on the team, but how long they're tied up for it and the money that they're tied up for. Like you look at Chicago right now, like Patrick Sharp to UFA, and you know. You know He's what he is, and I don't imagine he's coming back. He didn't cost them a lot of money. But those guys, they have uh, what are they? they have five guys making over $6 million, right? Yeah. Those guys have to be your best guys, and they, there's an argument that all of them aren't, right? I mean, right. Crawford's hurt, and the, the 2D have struggled. They're probably still their best 2D, but they're all tied up forever. I mean, taze and Kane are tied up till 24. Um, you know, Sod's tied up to 22. Yeah. Uh, Eats till 23 and, and uh, I'm sorry 24 and and Seabrooks even beyond that I think yeah um, so if those guys don't come back to the level that they were before then then your hands are a little tied what are you going to do at that point um, but let's not forget there's some pretty old defensemen in this league that know how to play the game and, and are pretty good at it I mean you look at one of the best teams in the East Zdeno Chara is 40 years old. Had a down year last year. The Bruins suffered because of it. Um, you know, gets paired with a young kid and, and Charlie McAvoy and, and kind of has this renaissance. He's been Char's been one of their best players this year and he's doing it at 40 so I'm not ready to throw Seabrook and, and Keith off the cliff yet but I, I think everybody knows that they need to reinvent themselves a little bit um, and they're professionals. I, I, I'm sure that they, they understand that as well and you know, I think next year those are the questions that need to be answered: is can those two guys kind of reinvent themselves and and answer the questions that the game's asking of them now?
0: Yeah, yeah, that's uh, the time is not on their side either because they're, you know, they're on the wrong side of thirty-five at this point in time, or, or they're getting there. So, um, yeah.
2: Oh, and and look, the game's gotten exponentially younger. Yeah, um, crazy how young the game is now compared to even five years ago. And it's because players are coming in at such a young age, ready to play. And the Blackhawks have a couple of them. Um, you know, the players are coming in at 18 and they don't need to be sheltered anymore, either on the ice or off the ice. Uh, you know, they're physically ready. They're emotionally ready. Um, they're mature. They're, their bodies are in better shape than you could ever imagine an 18 or a 19-year-old kid being and and on top of that, they're faster and they can do things at speed that nobody could do five five years ago. Like I I just I think the in close skill level in today's game is lapsed around even what it was five years ago, and and it puts more pressure on defensemen than I think anybody else because you just there's no there's nothing left to protect you. You can't. You can't slash guys on the hands anymore. Yeah. You can't hook them. You can't grab them. I mean, they've taken away, much like they did in football several years ago, they've taken away every tool that a defenseman has to neutralize the person that's attacking them. And it's led to more offense. There's been more offense in the game this year. But it's also led to players, defensive players, having to try and figure out new ways to defend people. Yeah. Um, and if you don't have the same foot speed as the people you're defending, you need to figure out – other ways that again, don't involve any kind of impediment or slash on the hands or whatever it might be. So I think there's a learning curve for, for some of the veteran guys that have been in this league and they need to figure it out.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, this is where Zoe's going to make fun of me because, uh, <laughs> um, I've been, you know, and this is kind of piggybacking on the, the whole conversation of young players. Um, Alex to <laughs> I was really hard on this kid. Um, you know, this summer he didn't have a good uh, prospect camp. He just looked, you know, average as, as far as the other prospects went. Uh, he's, he kind of started to step it up after that. But, you know, his size being a factor, um, you know, playing against, you know, putting up big numbers in, you know, the junior doesn't necessarily always translate into the NHL. Um, but he's come out and, you know, he's what, at 25 goals now? Uh, he could reach thirty before the end of the season if he has a nice run. Um, what what are your what are your thoughts? You know, what are the rest of your thoughts? I should say on uh, Alex DeBrinkett?
2: Yeah, I've been impressed with him, and like I said, I think he handled a lot of it to Joel for the way. Excuse me, that he's handled him and and kind of you know put him in opportunities where he can succeed. But you know, I I think if there wasn't such an incredible rookie class this year, when you Think about um, the rookies in, in the league this year, you know, when you have Matthew Barzell, who's going to win the, the Calder, basically because mm-hmm. all of his competition got hurt. But at one point you had uh, Bozer in, uh, in Vancouver. You had Charlie McAvoy in, in Boston, who was playing 25 minutes a game. Right. um in all situations as a defenseman, which is almost unheard of, um, Clay, Clayton Keller, you know, was there at one point. Yanni Gordon, Tampa Bay, like there's some players that aren't even being talked about in the Calder Trophy, uh, in the Calder Trophy candidate class because there's been so many good ones. Nico Heischer and and New Jersey's another one, um, and and I would put Alex in that class. His numbers aren't as as good, but his team's not as good. Um, so, but you know he's right there with Clayton Keller from Arizona, where they're they're kind of you know, Clayton doesn't have anybody else to protect him, where Alex has. Kane and Taze, who, who can, you know, provide some of the offense and, and, and sod when he's playing better. Um, but, you know, put up 25 goals on this team and, and to not be a liability. Like, I, I don't think he's a liability anytime they put him out there. There's some offensive players in this league where I think coaches, and especially a coach like Joel, who really stresses defensive responsibility, that when they put players out there that are goal scorers, they, you know, they hold their breath for 45 seconds until that guy yeah. comes back to the bench. And they only exhale when he scores or when he sits back on the bench. And then they say, "Oh, thank God. You know, <laughs> let me get somebody yeah, else out there right. who can play both ends. And I, I, I don't know that Joel does that with Alex. I think Alex has earned the things that he's gotten. And, and I think the ceiling's really high because he is, he's young. Um, you know, and, and the game, again, is trending. Not only is it trending younger, but it's trending smaller. Um, five years ago, you'd be like, this guy, he's not even a prospect. He's too small. Um, but right. now, with again the way that the game's kind of been opened up and, and is played in a different way um, than it was, even when Chicago was winning their cups, I, I think you know nobody bats an eyelash anymore at a player when when he's not a big physical specimen. I think I think Alex has shown the ability to handle himself in traffic, to put himself in places where he's not going to get run over, and and find seams where he can be successful. So right. I, I've been. Highly impressed with his,
0: his rookie year. Cool, awesome. Zoe, you got any other questions? Yeah, Sean, just because we're
1: touching on the the league being younger and these kids coming in more prepared, and it seems like the especially these last what two or three draft classes where we're seeing instant superstars in the league, um, now that the Blackhawks are in a weird place where we're looking at lottery odds for the first time in a decade um what kids coming out in this year's draft got your attention well
2: i i think the big kid for everybody right is, is Rav, Rasmus Dalin. of um, course the sweet defenseman i mean they're talking about a generational player I, I think it's a little bit what uh Hedman was like when he came out um and he took a longer time to kind of develop than people thought now i think he's where um where everybody thought he would be, where he's basically a Norris trophy level defenseman. Um, but it's supposed to be a really deep draft. The draft is not my, my bread and butter. We kind of turn to it when uh, the playoffs uh, get to the third or fourth round and we can dispatch some other people to kind of mm-hmm. handle it. Um, we have a guy who does it full time, Mike Morial who also covers the devils for us um, and I'll pick his brain now and then, but yeah, I mean, look in Chicago um You haven't had to worry about that, right? And that's the other thing everybody talks about um, when they talk about Chicago and what's happened. This is a team that hasn't had a lottery pick in 10 years, and the lottery does wonderful things for your franchise. You know, we talked a little bit about the Devils. They made a really tough choice, right? It was Nolan Patrick or, or Nico Heischer, and I think Heischer was the unpopular choice because Patrick was bigger and had the better pedigree. It's worked out pretty well for yeah. them, you know. He might be the first eighteen-year-old to get to the playoffs in his draft year since like nineteen eighty-seven or something like oh, wow. that. Um, so, you know, there's some players there, especially if they get lucky in the draft lottery, and that's kind of what happened to the Devils. You know, the the other guy that's there that interests me a lot, and it's it's kind of a family thing, is Brady Tuchuk, who's playing in college. Um, and it's fantastic. I mean, you probably saw him play at the World Championship, yeah. World Junior
1: Championship with Americans.
2: He was unbelievable in that game against Canada. Like, at one point, and, and this will kind of go into, you know, talking about metal music or whatever. Like, the one thing I'll never forget is that game was so tense. The snow was coming down, it was crazy. And all of a sudden, the camera came onto him, and he was standing behind the goal during a stoppage, and they were playing Crazy Train by Osbourne. <laughs> yeah. And Brady was singing. He was singing the lyrics, and, and I laughed because I'm like, oh, there's another metalhead. Because you're always on the lookout for metalheads, right? Yeah, right, <laughs> for sure. But what struck me even more is the stage wasn't too big. You know, here are 60,000 people. The crowd's probably split in half because you're right on the Canadian border. You know, yelling, screaming. The game's been, you know, back and forth. There's pressure like, like we don't even understand. And here's a kid just, you know, doing that crazy laugh as it comes on the sound system. <laughs> and you're like... He's born for this, right? So, yeah, you know, and look at his brother, his brother, Matt in Calgary. He's already a, an impact player. Um, you know, I think we've all been around long enough to remember it. Remember his dad playing. Yep. His dad was an incredible player. So, so the genes are certainly there. Um, and then the third kid is the kid from Barry in the Ontario Hockey League. Uh, Senchenkov, I believe his name yeah, is. Andrei right. Um He's suspended right now. He's going to miss the first four games of the playoffs. Um, but, uh, you know, he's a right wing, he, he plays with a little bit of an edge, could score some goals, so, um, there's some guys there, and then the last guy is, same place Nico came from, uh, uh, Halifax in the Quebec League is, uh, Philip Zadina, mm-hmm. and, uh, he actually lives with the same Billets that Nico lived with in, in Halifax, and, you know, which is an amazing story, there could be back-to-back top five players coming out of the same billet family, so, um, another right wing, so there's, four really good forwards and then you know there's a couple of defensemen that people are talking about I I I don't know as much about them I know uh that uh Quinn Hughes Hughes is playing in the NCAA tournament with Michigan and he's supposed to be uh if not the top defenseman one of the top defensemen so I think there's a lot of guys to get really excited about especially if you can get up into that top three in this draft
0: that's what we're hoping for for sure absolutely
2: and that's Look, that keeps it interesting, right? You're going to wait. You're going to see the draft lottery uh, whenever it is in April. I don't think it's been announced yet. And you're going to hope the ping-pong balls come out right for you. Um, And I think if they come out top three or four this year, I think you're going to do all right. And you're probably going to have a player that's going to impact you pretty quickly. I mean, look, if you get Rasmus Dahlin and you're able to put him on your line (laughs) at he's years old with two tutors, you can say whatever you want about Keith and Seabrook. They know how to play some defense. They may not be able to play it at the level they want to anymore, and they may have to change their games, but they could probably teach a young defenseman a thing or two, much in the way Nick Littstrom taught a whole generation of of Detroit defensemen. Um, So that would not be bad living right there.
0: Plus they have uh, Henry Yokiharu, who they drafted last year in the first round, who seems to have a promising future as well. So.
2: Yeah, and, and and I think that I think that Stan has restocked that cupboard a little bit. Look, I thought he did good in, in you know trading Hartman and and getting some pieces back for that. I think he read the market perfectly. I think if you ask Stan Bowman or if you ask a neutral GM, who did better in their trades mm-hmm. between Ryan Hartman and Evander Kane. I think everybody would say that Stan did better. Like right. He read the market at its peak, and by the time that Jason Botterill got around to being able to move Kane because the market wasn't as good as he thought, he did not get near the near the return. And I, I would argue that Evander Kane's the better of the two players, and he hasn't been since he's been traded. I mean, he's been lights out for San Jose. I think it's amazing when you put a player – that has never had a chance to win in a situation where they can win and, and you kind of see what they can bring to the table. Yeah. But like, I, I, look, he, he, he's got players in that, right? Like that, uh, Ed, Ed's was in that, right. And yeah, he's going to now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, uh, he looks like a decent player and he added a couple other, you know, picks. So I, I think Stan, while he was trying to win, emptied the cupboard a little bit. And now I think he understands that he's in another cycle where he's going to have to restock the cupboard, and he's going to have some opportunity to make some moves. I think during the during the summer, right? You got the threat of expansion coming again, and I don't mean that in a negative way. I just right. mean it in that the, you're going to have to retool rosters, people are going to have to move players, and there's some teams, there's some other teams that are going to be that think they're on the way, right? And hey, if I could get a if I could get a veteran player that's won a lot of hockey, because what is the one thing that the NHL put more emphasis on than anything else? He's a winner. Yeah. I'm going to go get him from the team. He's going to teach my team how to win. There's some GMs that will overlook some recent history to say, that player, yeah, he had a bad year, but he, if he comes to our team, we're right on the cusp of winning. He could be the difference for us. I, so I think Stan will have some opportunities between the draft and and uh, being able to make some trades around the draft. Mm-hmm. I think the, the the trade activity this year in Dallas where the draft's going to be should be pretty intense. Um, so you'll have some opportunities there and then, you know, kind of see where things shake out and figure out what you have to do, you know, uh, when when the fall comes and you're getting ready for training camp.
0: Cool. Cool. All right. Well, so I, actually I-,
2: knew more, I actually knew more about prospects. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, see, sometimes you surprise yourself well um I want to wrap this thing up uh I want to end it up with uh, you know about 10 15 minutes of us geeking out over metal a little bit so if anyone wants to fast forward a little bit I'm just gonna you know we're gonna talk a little bit of uh, <laughs> a little bit of heavy metal um so we talked about you know you, you you doing your stuff with Brian and stuff like that when when uh like when did you realize that like you know this this was your thing your metal and uh what was you know what what band or or group of bands got you into metal
2: well so for me it started i grew up in rhode island and and uh you know there were a lot of kids kind of fell into two categories right you were a metalhead or you weren't and a (laughs) lot of the people that i looked up to were and you know it started out pretty casually like you know people turned you on to deep purple or black sabbath or you know whatever it might be um my first, the first show I ever saw, uh, and it wasn't a metal show per se, was uh, was Billy Squire. I, when I was younger, I loved Billy Squire. Fantastic guitarist.
1: Mm-hmm. His
2: career, he became too popular, and it kind of went downhill. And then he fell off the face of the map. He made one bad video and pretty much yeah. got uh, drummed out of music. Um, but that was the first show I ever saw. Nazareth opened for him, and it was it was unbelievable. To see a show live, um, to me, was life-changing. Because right. now... Can't get enough of live music, and from there I kind of went harder and harder. Uh, I was fortunate; we had a pretty good radio station uh, in Rhode Island, HJY, that played some heavier music, especially late at night. Mm-hmm. And then I'll tell you what changed it for me was the band Accept. Okay. I saw Accept at a amusement park, like a free Friday night concert. Yeah. And I saw Udo Dirk Schneider, who has his own band now, mm-hmm. but at that time he's the lead singer for Accept. He's about five foot four, and White blonde hair, it was in a crew cut, Uh, leather, bullets, the whole thing, camo, like he was a rock vocalist, like Mm -hmm. he was a heavy metal vocalist, and they just blew me away, like everything about it, the sound, the the experience, and once that happened, you know, you had to go to the record store, because it was still record stores then, Mm -hmm. and you had to get the accept catalog, mostly on on, uh, cassettes at that time, and then you start flipping through um, and, and kind of seeing other stuff and your buddies telling you stuff. And uh, I told Brian this story. the uh, I had bought like one or two Metal Blade records and then I saw um, uh, something that was completely um, like out there I had never seen mm-hmm. before and I just bought it on the spur of the moment and I, I'm trying to think of the name of the band now and I can't, um, but... Uh, it was, it was great. Like, and it was at that point I knew like, once you go to a label three or four times and you kind of do it blind and every time it's something that you like listening to, I was like, that's it. Like if I see a metal blade release, I'm going to buy that. Um, right. and, and so that went on all through high school. I kind of stepped back into like sixties rock and stuff like that when I got to college, cause my roommates were sick of hearing, um, <laughs> All the heavier stuff that I that I had brought with me to listen to, mm-hmm. and then when I got out, I moved here, and here they have a station called WSOU. It's Seton Hall's mm-hmm. college radio station. And it's the only one that I've ever heard in the country that is complete, 100% heavy metal, and I mean heavy. They play everything, and it, the funny part is, is it's, a, it's a Catholic school, um, but their radio station it's it's world famous for you know. Um, exposing bands, and it's right right outside you can get it in new york you can get it in jersey and and that really once i moved here and i could listen to that every day when i was driving before satellite radio and Mm -hmm. everything else that's what really kind of sent me down a path of you know bands that people don't listen to that are not in the mainstream and you know it's kind of gone from there and then you know doing stuff with brian for the last four years and him exposing me to some stuff um it continues to grow i keep thinking i'm gonna outgrow it and you know i'm almost 50 now and i'm still going to shows and every time i go i'm like this will be the last one i'm too old i'm like people's dads and then three weeks later i'm like oh i gotta go see lamb of god and slayer play together so i don't i don't know when it's gonna end but i don't think it's gonna be anytime soon yeah
0: well speaking of slayer and those you know that's my boys um (laughs) what are your feelings on slayer calling it quits after this, you know, grand world tour they're going to be doing probably for the next, uh, I would say, fifteen months or so.
2: Do you really think it's quits?
0: Yeah, it is. <laughs> I could tell you that.
2: <laughs> yeah, well, look, if it is, that's great because they're they're still killer, right? Like yeah. you don't you don't want to see a band on their last legs. Um, and and going out when the music's already stopped, so to speak. And I don't think Slayer is. I think Slayer's still killing it and, and, you know, makes great music and and does a good live show and see them at their peak and and call it a day. The reason I said, do you think it really is, is because how many bands have we heard, you know, say they're going to go out um, at the peak and then they do and then... Four years later, they're like, you know, we should probably put together another show because in a way, like we talked about before, I think I think musicians are much like athletes and they feed off of it and they feed off of that lifestyle. They don't know anything different. And all of a sudden, you know, it's just like retired hockey guys. They sit at home for two years and then they're like, you know, it'd be good to coach. It'd be good to commentate. It'd be good to get out of the house so my wife doesn't kill me is basically, you know, what's happening there because they've lived one lifestyle their whole life. And. So, you know, you always wonder and maybe they move on and they do other things. But I I, I think that it'll be great to see him this summer. And look, they've they've done it right because they put on if you're going to go pay to see him this summer, you're going to see a hell of a show. Yeah, right? right. Like Lamb of God's on that bill, mm-hmm. um, who are fantastic band. I think Behemoth uh,
0: is, is touring with them again. Who? I think it's yeah, Behemoth again.
2: Yeah. Behemoth again. They just put out their live album. Or it's coming out next week. I've seen some clips from it, and I've yeah. heard a kind of an advanced copy. Fantastic stuff, right? Like they—they're not cheating you on that bill. It's not like it's Slayer and three bands you've never heard of, right? Um, which is not always a bad thing because you can—you can learn something, or you can find a new band if you show up early. But there's no reason to show up late for this show. I mean, no. I think from the time the doors open until you know Slayer finishes with uh, encore of raining blood and South of Heaven and whatever then whatever else they end up doing uh, i don't don't think you're gonna have much peace of mind
0: yeah yeah it's they will be done after this but i can i can pretty much guarantee that some of the members of slayer will carry on in their own manner one way or another so um and that's great because
2: somebody will hear them in, in in that offshoot and be like wow Kerry King's awesome and they know nothing about Slayer. And all of a sudden you're going back and you're finding out about Slayer's back catalog. And right. You know, well, you, you never know how people are going to get introduced to the genre and, and how they're going to embrace it. So, you know, I, I think all these offshoots and side projects that bands do, um, you know, are fantastic.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I I was surprised that, that they finally announced it, but I think this has kind of actually been, uh, a, a couple of years in the making, so um, it's it, it is and it isn't surprising that they, they decided to call it a quits. But knowing how you know Carrie is, um, when he says he's done, he's done, and he will move on and do his own thing. And you know the other guys, I would assume you know Gary Holt, uh, Paul Bostaff, those guys are not. You know I, I don't know what's going on with Tom, but you know we'll find out more down the road. You know this this tour starts up like in a month. And they'll be in Chicago pretty much the first month of the tour. So we'll get to see them. Yeah. And that's
2: awesome. But like Gary, Gary still has other things, right? Is he still, uh, is he still with Exodus? Or yeah. Not?
0: Exodus is his band. So yeah.
2: Yeah. 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 So yeah. And I saw them, uh, like two years ago at the PlayStation theater. Fantastic. Like the thing that amazes me and I, and I'm, I listen to a lot of newer music and, uh, you know, I try and stay current on it, but the the thing that's blown me away in the last couple of years is all these bands that were like so much a part of my metaldom that are around the same age as I am are just tearing it up now. Yeah. Like you go see them. Like I went to go see Exodus. So I'm like, ah, this will be you know, it, it, like a reunion type of show, right? Like you, it, it'll be okay nothing great but it will be good to have those mm-hmm. memories and then like you walk in and they're just uh, he opened for Alice Cooper if if i'm remembering right and um and both bands were just so tight and so crazy and i was like they might be better than they were when i saw them 20 years ago you know in, in whatever crappy club i saw them yeah. in, in new york um when it was all just insanity right people running around circle pits, the whole thing. Yeah. But the music wasn't as much at the forefront. When I saw Exodus this time, they were like, they were tight. And I, I literally walked out of there shaking my head and shocked at how good (laughs) they were. So, um, and it's been all those older bands. Like they, they figured out that you put together a tight live show and people are going to see them. And with Slayer, I think the best thing is that they're leaving while they all still want to leave. Right. Like nobody's being forced to go out on the road nobody's being held hostage and isn't into it. I think all these guys want to have that one last leg where they just blow people away and, and that'll be their legacy.
0: Yeah, I agree. You know, they're, they're going to go out on top. They're going to go out, you know, at, at the top of their game. Uh, some people question that because of, you know, Jeff not being in the band anymore because he passed away and because of, you know, Dave Lombardo not being in the band anymore, but Paul Bosteff was in that band for a decade. I mean, He's a good drummer, and he's very, very much qualified. And Gary Holt's an excellent guitarist. So, you know, they're they're you know they might not be the the, the Slayer they were in, in the '90s, but they're pretty close.
2: Yeah, and no nobody is. Yeah, nobody is. I mean, I don't care who you want to talk to. Even bands who've stayed together, like to cross over and and you know go to more popular music. And I'm by no means an expert. I mean, but U2's been the same band for their whole career. And, and I don't think that they're as far as personnel and I don't think they're the same band now that they were, you know, when they put out the Joshua tree or mm-hmm. or Sunday, bloody Sunday, like as, as, as bands, you grow up and you change and you do different things and you have different influences. Like w- one of my favorite bands and they've been together the whole time is a band called clutch out of, out of Maryland.
0: Yeah, yeah I'm familiar.
2: And they, they, the first album I ever heard was just in your face, like, you know, as hard as it comes in. And, and now they're they're like a, almost like a jam band. And I'm not a big jam band guy. But, you know, if you listen to Clutch, you'll hear a little, of you know, Zeppelin in it. You'll hear some blues in it. You'll hear all kinds of crazy stuff in it. And then if I held them to the standard of that first album, which was just as angry as could be. And I was 22 and angry as could be. And it was an anthem. You know, if I held them to that album, mm-hmm. like now I'd be like, what a crap band they are. And they're they're by far musically a much better band than they were when they were yelling and screaming and, and full of piss and vinegar. Right, so, right. Uh, you know, even bands that stay together change. So uh, you're right. I think Slayer is as good now as, as they ever were.
0: Yeah, for sure. I mean, I just saw him last summer and, and with like we spoke about Brian Slay. I met Brian last summer at Open Air here in Chicago and uh, we were watch We watched Slayer together. And uh, they the the fire and everything that they put for being they were on a second stage, that was still a hell of a show and and I have a feeling that uh, they uh, they like their pyro so I think they're going to go out in a blaze of glory with, uh, yeah. with the pyro this time around.
2: It's it's shocking, right? That they
0: yeah.
2: you just said, uh, oh yeah, Slayer was on the second stage. Like, I don't care how good a bill that is. Like I don't know how you know in my own personal. Pantheon of bands that Slayer ever ends up on a second stage.
0: Yeah, 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 for sure. I mean, it was like Ozzy played the main stage, and they had kind of more of the poppy acts like Stone Sour. Actually, Lamb sure, of God sure. was on the main stage. So,
2: yeah, and I think even though like Lamb of God would be like Slayer should play the stage before we do. Yeah, um, but yeah, it's Avenged Sevenfold, it's Five Finger Death Punch. Yeah, like, and yeah, you understand that that's the business now, right? Yep. Those are the kids. To have the disposable income that's who they're coming to see and again it maybe it's a gateway drug for them to to kind of use to term you know and and they're exposed to some of these other bands and they see people going crazy for them and then they're like hey that's pretty cool i'm gonna have to go check that out um so i, I don't think it's ever bad you know whatever stage you're on but uh, for those people that kind of put their status with it um you know and say oh that band's first stage and they were second stage clearly my band's better like i don't know that that's the case
0: yeah yeah well um you know recently you know everyone comes comes up on some new music every once in a while um this year it's it's been a band called avatar for me um i was a fan of theirs they came out with a new album They're, they're they're now able to headline their own tours I'm a big fan of the band uh, Avatar, but I've also, you know, always been a big fan of In Flames, Soil Work, of course Slayer. You know, uh, it goes back to Anthrax, things like that. What What are like the bands? Uh, just Just quickly, you know, what are the bands that you're you're more into re- more recently?
2: Well, one of the, one of the bands that I've been really into, and they haven't done anything in a couple of years, is uh, is one of Brian's bands. They're out of uh, uh, outside of Detroit. Uh, um a band called Battlecross, kind of okay, uh yeah. thrashy like we've been talking about like exodus and mm-hmm. those kind of bands really fast um you know two guitars their baseball player is unbelievable their lead singer his name's gumby is incredible range um i i really enjoyed them um you know and then like uh i I've kind of gone backwards a little bit too like uh i went to um I went to Warped Tour this year and Mm -hmm. like Candaria was on there, which Mm -hmm. is an old band that I never was exposed to. Um, The first time around, they were kind of like New York uh, legends, get a little bit of jazzy, Mm -hmm. kind of all different kinds of stuff. But then uh, Knock Loose was on on that same bill and they're brand new. I really kind of enjoyed them. Um, So I kind of go a little bit all over the place Um, and, and, um, you know, just, I always want to hear something new and, and I don't go back to what I've listened to my whole life um, as much as maybe I should because I'm always like uh, let me hear this, let me do this. The other band that I've really enjoyed lately and, and they're out on tour now I, I want to say that they're playing with with Hatebreed and uh, the Kesha strain, who I absolutely love, they're mm-hmm. one of my favorite bands. Is a band called Twitching Tongues, um, okay. really, really good. And another band, more punky, is a band called Harm's Way um, mm-hmm. that's put out some, uh, put out an album uh, uh, this year. Um, really, really heavy, like not uh, as in your face as kind of like a Hatebreed, but along those same yeah. of, mm-hmm.
0: um, like and, uh, kind of lines, like hardcore really kind
2: of that so yeah
0: cool well i think that kind of wraps it up um if anyone gets a oh. chance follow follow sean on uh, the twitters i think it's s Rourke underscore nhl yep yep that's correct okay cool awesome i will yeah. uh i'll tag you in the post and everything but uh sean i want to thank you for joining us tonight and uh uh enjoy your medal this summer <laughs> hey, nice to meet I'm you
1: well, sean
2: the summers the only time I really get to see shows. Uh, once in a great while during the season, if I can sneak out. But uh, a lot of time in the summer is spent uh, going to shows. So, uh, But as you know, following the game, the summer is way too short now, man. Yeah. For for me, it's July 15th to like maybe August 15th. And then we're right back at it again, ready for the season. So um, not too long, but we'll definitely make the most of it. Hopefully we can do it again, and we'll be talking about the Blackhawks like the old Blackhawks.
0: <laughs> yeah, for sure. <laughs> all right, thanks a lot, Sean. We'll uh, we'll talk uh, to, talk with you later. Uh,
2: all right, great. Thanks for having me on, guys. I yep. appreciate it. Take care. All right, bye bye. All
0: right, thanks to Sean Rourke from NHL.com. That was a great interview. It actually went longer than I expected it to go, but when you got two guys geeking out over you know two things they are very passionate about it tends to go a little long, but, uh, and thanks to, thanks to you Zoe for joining us in that, that interview as well.
1: No, thanks for having me. That was, like I said, it's always good to hear what someone outside of Chicago thinks of your team. And I learned a little something about heavy metal. So win, win. That That's what we're here for.
0: <laughs> teach <you> a little <laughs> bit about hockey, which you know, obviously know much more about, but teach a little something about heavy metal too. So, and there we didn't go. spend too long on it. We, you know, it was about 10, 10 minutes. So, so anyway, um, as far as the Blackhawks go, I mean, we know where we're at, you know, um, it's finally over. Well, yeah, yeah. As of yesterday, they were eliminated officially from the playoff race. The record's 30, 35 and nine, which is not good at all. Woof. They're three, six and one in their last 10. Not good at all. Woof. Yeah. Um, we did talk about, you know, the uh, last time around, which was a couple weeks ago, that the Blackhawks had uh, extended Eric Gustafson, or at least there was a report that he ate. It, it came official. They signed Gustafson to a two-year deal worth $1.2 million per season. Uh, and then he turned around a couple days later, signed Jan Ruda to a one-year extension at just over $2 million a year. Uh, I'm not necessarily the biggest fan of... <laughs> of either one of these deals. I don't think they had to race to sign these guys. I don't think there was a big, you know, I, I don't think there was, the, uh, you know, Gustafson was a, is an RFA. No one's going to sign him to a, an offer sheet. You could have qualified him with a qualifying offer, which qualifying offer, which I think was in the area of maybe 700, 800,000. Mm-hmm. You could, you could signed him to a qualifying offer and got him a lot less than what you got him for. And uh, Ruta, he's played one year in the NHL. He's played, like, what, 60 games or something. He's been injured. Did you really need to race out and sign him for over $2 million a year? I don't think you did.
1: I yeah, know. I'm with you. I mean, the Ruta, well, first and foremost, I agree with you. Like, it feels like they were panic moves. Like, shit, our defense stinks. I got to make sure these guys are here next year. But, like you said, I I really don't feel like anyone in the league was – kicking down Stan's door to swoop in and grab either one of those guys. But the money, I think it was a little bit much, but not too much. Uh, I, if I had to pick out of the two, I would rather have a Ruta, but I don't know. It's just the, the move scream of just like panic, which is very uncharacteristic for Stan.
0: Yeah. Desperation almost. Yes. But the, the thing that I don't like about it is like, okay, you're going to come back. You now have seven defensemen. If you count Forsling, um, I mean, this is not the best defensive group that they can, you know, (laughs) I mean, they have to upgrade. You can't keep giving up 40 shots a game or even 35 shots a game. And it's just not going to magically next year. They're not just going to magically stop giving up 35 shots. I mean, you have to make some kind of change
1: right well you know what don't even worry about it because we're going to get the first pick and get down and everything's going to be solved
0: <laughs> yeah well then we're just going to score 100 goals and we're going to give up 99 <laughs> yeah I don't uh, I mean panic a couple of years ago they did the same thing they basically came out and he had basically accepted the first offer they gave him
1: yeah because he was surprised he's like yeah. oh shit yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah yes I'll sign
0: that okay yeah sure yeah, and then Stan Bowman.
2: So I, I I was wrong on that
0: one. Back in the box, Laz. Uh, <laughs> I, I brought some some extra Laz out for you just because you're you're our special guest host today. So oh, I appreciate uh, it. Yeah, and Laz, what do you have to say? This franchise is effing screwed. Okay. All right. Well, back in the box for you. <laughs> um, as far as other. Um, moves go and stuff like that uh there was a report uh some german publications reported that german olympic forward dominic Kuh or it's kahun or kahun uh it's spelled k a h u n um he was he played for germany in the olympics he was one of their best players and and they went to the you know the gold medal game so uh uh, supposedly reportedly the blackhawks signed him to a to an entry-level contract um He's still playing for his current team, the Red Bull team, in the playoffs over there, so they wouldn't announce that that contract probably until after his season's over with so it's been kind of quiet, but uh we kind of announced we were kind of one of the people who announced that uh you know there was a report out there, but nothing's been confirmed yet um I, I'm assuming we'll hear about it as soon as his his team's like one of the best teams in 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 the uh the german league so it could be. Yeah, a I wasn't
1: uh, too familiar with him. Your guy Mario there took me to school on Twitter, though, so that was good. Yeah,
0: yeah, I, I, I'm not super familiar with him either. I mean, he's just an average forward can play just about any position. He, he who knows, he he could be the next David Kampf. He could be the next, you know, Matthias Olam. So I, who knows?
1: T. S. Olam. Yeah,
0: <laughs> that 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 is a shout out to J, to Double J because he was bringing up Matthias Olam yesterday. Um, because uh, you know. Andreas Martinson being called up. He uh, was the first Norwegian player to suit up for the Blackhawks. Matias Olem, I guess, was a Norwegian player who played a lot for Rockford, didn't play for the Blackhawks. so
1: There you go. Shout
0: out to you, JJ. <laughs> um, you
1: crumpy old bastard.
0: Yeah, no kidding. As far as uh, you know, uh, European players go, uh, it was announced today uh, that Victor Edsel uh, is going to be coming over. He's been loaned uh, to the Rockford Ice So he's going to come over and we're going to kind of see what he can do on the smaller ice service here in North America. Uh, I put together a prospect video on YouTube. Uh, You can look it up. Uh, It's on the YouTube's Victor Edsel. I took pretty much all of his highlights from this season and compiled them all together so that you can kind of see what he, what he can do. Uh, You don't have to do a lot of searching and, you can find some other highlight videos of, of what he's done in past years, but as far as you know, videos this year, uh, that's probably the only one you're going to find, or at least one comprehensive video. So, go check it out. Our YouTube channel, uh, you know, it's the Rink Official. You can find it there. Um, we also have a post up that has it in there as well. I've been kind of sh- resharing it as well. So, uh, I guess we're going to see. We're going to. This guy's a big guy, so uh, he could be. If everything works out properly, he may be the replacement for. Artemisimov, so Which would be nice. Uh, yeah. But, uh, you know, again, that's, we're, we're thinking of, you know, we're going a bit ahead here, but uh, mm-hmm. you know, he very well could be. He's, he is that size. So, but, uh, so, um, I, I did also bring up Andreas Martinson was brought up. Um, he looked okay yesterday. I mean, it was only one game, but, you uh, know, he right. had that one hit. He's I was just going to
1: say, yeah. did everything that the meatballs will play that gif over and over again when talking about him?
0: It's the Ryan. I mean, it was like, uh, it was like, uh, CT used to say over at uh, hockey night with, uh, you know, here lies Ryan Hartman. He hit that one guy that one time, uh, that was <laughs> yes,
1: exactly in
0: his first shift. He went out and he had a big hit and and for a while until, till last year, I mean, that was all Ryan Hartman had on his resume. So, right. But, uh, yeah, I mean, he he got a hit. He went out there. He made a he made himself. I think he actually. I, I'm I'm a little more optimistic about the guy. Uh, I've seen you know that you know what he's. I've seen him play in Rockford. Uh, he's got some talent. He can move. He can skate and he can hit. Uh, he's got a little bit of experience. He played for you know uh, the Avalanche. Uh, mm-hmm. So he has NHL experience. Um, I don't I don't know if he has a future with the Blackhawks, but he's certainly better than the the player they traded him for Kyle bond. So.
1: Right. And the, the nice thing about, I mean, trying to stay optimistic about being mathematically eliminated from the playoffs this early is it's tryout time for guys, you know? And so now you can throw a guy like that on the ice for what is it? Nine games.
0: Yeah. And see what you got. Yeah. The only, the only problem with it and they probably would have done it with more people. Um, was they don't have a lot of call ups because they did the right. paper transactions and stuff so they can only do them on injury basis and uh so that's kind of why martinson didn't come up maybe earlier and they didn't get to see what you know what they had in them because highmore got hurt so they had to call up martinson on an injury basis and and duclair of course is hurt too so mhm yeah i don't you know i guess those guys, you know, Martinson will be back down in Rockford, and I would right. assume that you know all the guys they had in the paper, uh, you know, with with the paper uh, transactions uh, will be sent back down for the playoff run for Rockford. So once this once once this this team is uh, you know mercifully put to death at, yeah. at the beginning of April in a couple of weeks. So yeah. I
1: mean, basically, all this time now for Blackhawks fans. Keep your eyes on the draft lottery. A lot of guys are going to be trying to hit the kickers in their contracts, and it's a good time to see some kids that might not play a lot.
0: It's basically
1: what we're we're at.
0: Yeah, so anyway. No, there is no fun to be had. The Blackhawks are bad right now, and we must be miserable at all times. Back in the box, Les?
1: Oh, (laughs) I cannot imagine being that pessimistic all the time.
0: (laughs) Well, I mean, you, you do know me, so.
1: Yes, I know, and I think that's probably why you're the the yin to my yang with regards to the optimism and pessimism. I think we keep each other level.
0: Yeah, well. Drunk and donuts? <laughs> so, all right, well, we've got a whole bunch of questions we're going to go through, and that's kind of what, what we're, what we're going to do here. Um, some of them are going to kind of cross over each other. So I may pass over some of them because they've already been answered. We've already talked about it, whatever, but, uh, you know, let's, let's get rolling on this, I guess. Yeah, let's go Twitter. (laughs) I'm a troll on Twitter. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Back in the box, Liz. Um, so the, the guys at talking Hawks, the talking Hawks, Hawks podcast, um, they, the two part question, Jonathan sent one in, uh, John sent one in by himself um, and then they actually sent one in, uh, you know, through the talking Hawks podcast. And he said, in terms of priority, please rank these three things as far as needs go with the Blackhawks, a backup goaltender, top four defenseman, a big time centerman. And uh, on and the, the second question was, "Will a be a Blackhawks next be a Blackhawk next year. What do you, what you say, sir, on the priorities as far as uh, making a move or, or addressing needs?
1: Oh, shit. Well, I mean, if I can go backwards, number three is going to be the center. Um, I think that's... He might be in our system like we talked about earlier. There's yeah. a couple guys that might be able to fill that role. But the hard thing in those is one and two because, one, our defense sucked, and two, because our defense sucked, it exposed how terrible the goalies were. Um, So I guess in desperation... I'm going to say one backup goalie two top four defensemen and then three big time center.
0: Yeah. Um, as far as centers go, I mean, you got Jonathan Tays and you've got Nick Schmaltz. Um, mm-hmm. it's, you don't really need big time center. Um, in fact, the, the, the emergence of Nick Schmaltz has kind of made Artem Nisimov almost irrelevant, even though he's had a good season, 20, 20 goals, nine assists. Um, He's kind of stuck in that limbo, like the third line area, um, however you want to. But he's, he's really third on the depth chart, no matter how you, you line up. So, yeah. uh, you know, if they can, and there is a question down the road um, about Anisimov. I think uh, I'll have to find it. But, uh, you know, will Anisimov be with the Blackhawks uh, next year? I think that, you know, being one of the few people they can actually move, that holds some value, um, if they can't, I think they're going to try and move him. If they can't move him, of course, he will be back. But right. I think they're going to try and move him, try to get something for him. Uh, open up that salary. That's that's a lot of money for a third-line center. He's got some value. He, can, he You know, he definitely has some hands. He can score some goals. He can play on the power play. Uh, mm-hmm. He's not going to kill you defensively. Um But I I think his time in Chicago may just, you know, Nick Schmaltz kind of made him relevant, like I said. So um, I I don't think the center thing, I think, again, that is the third. Um, I think, honestly, the top four D-man is the more important uh, of them all. Uh, And and, and we kind of talked with Sean, too, a little bit. uh, you Stan comes out and says, you know, we're going to have the same team. And then he signs these defensemen that, that were okay this year. Where is there going to be room for a top four defenseman? You know, they're they're, right. they're They've got a full roster already of defensemen, Uh, but they need a better defenseman. They need a guy that can come in and eat up some minutes. Uh, Connor Murphy really hasn't been that, uh, you know, Seabrook definitely isn't, uh, Duncan Keith has his moments Jan Rudo's okay Gustafson's okay um you know they're gonna want to bring forzling in uh they you know Carl Dahlstrom was around he's okay none of them are you know there's just such a wide gap between the top and the bottom of this defense I think that that they need to get a top to four top four defenseman in there if they want to be able to get back into the mix of things otherwise it's going to be a long season next year again.
1: Right. And like I I guess was trying to dance around making a hard choice, but like if it could be like 1A and 1B with defenseman and the backup goalie.
0: Right, yeah. And and the backup goalie is important. It's going to be important because Core uh, I and again, Sean talked about this. Corey Crawford has been injured. He gets injured every year. That's why right. Ray Emery has emerged. That's why Antti Ranta emerged. That's why Scott Darling emerged uh because Core Crawford got hurt. And wasn't able to play. So, and these two guys, uh, I, I brought this up a couple podcasts ago. So I think, I think the Blackhawks have broken Anton Forsberg. <laughs> I think he's just. I think he's, and it's unfortunate because they came out and they signed him to a big extension and all that stuff. But I think they've broken him. I think his head's messed up here uh, by you know play, playing playing the, the 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 juggling game and everything with putting Jeff Glass in there and then everyone's you know everyone's pleasuring themselves to Jeff glass for a couple of weeks. And then, and then we found out what Jeff glass really was, which is some of us already knew what he was. Right. But some of us were under this illusion that a 32 year old goalie who would never play in the NHL. was going to come in and, 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 you know, do, you know, be the miracle. Uh,
1: Yeah. In hindsight, the glass thing was just, just not a good idea.
0: It was a good, you know, it was a good PR move that kind of distracted people from other things. That's all Mm -hmm. it was. And, and now he's not even a starter in Rockford, just like you. And I said this before, when he, before he came up, he wasn't even the starter in Rockford. The only reason he came up is because he was hurt. Right. And again, now he's down there. Now my boy Calendelia lighting it up in the AHL. So
1: yeah, I mean, no. And people who watch a little more hockey than, your average fan knew right away that the glass thing was just hometown guy. You know, it's, or I'm sorry. Like what, how old is he? 32? 32. Yeah. 32 year old rookie. makes it start for the black. It's okay. Like you're still yeah. a terrible team.
0: I mean, he could hang in there. He did all right. He was okay. I mean, it's how all three of these backup goalies have been. They've been okay. Right. That's it. At the best. And nothing. Been okay. Yeah.
1: Nothing personal against Jeff glass. I mean, he seems like a nice guy and everything. It's just, He's not an NHL goalie.
0: Right. Yeah. And he was never intended to be an NHL goalie. He was signed to be exposed in the, in the, uh, in the expansion draft, which he was, no one took him. And (laughs) he, because he signed the contract, you know, he's back, you know, and I thought at the beginning of the season that there might not even be a spot for him. If, if Delia took off early on and was really good early, I thought that, you know, Berube and Delia could have been the one, two punch or even Matt Tompkins could have been in there and that Jeff glass kind of would have been pushed out. And, uh, but you know what? He hung in there and Delia had a slow start, but now he's really picked it up and Tompkins has been all right. When he played the NHL too, he isn't, he wasn't terrible either. So, uh, you know, it it is what it is, but they're, they're going to have to address it somehow. I like, I personally like Barube better than Forsberg. I did at the beginning of the year, Um, but Forsberg, it was unquestioned that Forsberg earned his spot at the beginning of the year since then, not so much, but in the preseason, he was lights out. So, you know, I, I understand why they chose who they did and and all that stuff, but something's going to have to, there's going to be some veteran goalies out on the market and uh they might, they may have to go out and pluck a, a, a veteran goalie. I mean, there's, there's a guy on our Facebook page that's been uh singing the praises of Garrett Sparks from, uh, uh Toronto he's their AHL goalie and he's just killing okay. it in the AHL and he's from Elmhurst hmm. so he's from Chicago uh... it would fit but they would have to I, I think he's still signed for another year they would have to trade for him but you never know
1: you know that's yeah, a I'll have to go to school on that name I, I don't can't say I'm familiar with his body of work
0: yeah he's uh I know a little bit about him but uh, last year he got in trouble on social media for threatening to beat somebody up. <laughs> oh, yeah, it's a whole, will do it. Yeah. But yeah, he's friends with Scott Darling. They do a lot of the camps together. It could be another hometown thing. You know, if Stan, Stan loves that, that hometown boy thing. So, you know, we'll see. I don't know. Uh, but thanks guys. Uh, hopefully I'm going to meet those guys. I'll be out in Denver a uh, week from tomorrow. I will be flying out to Denver to watch the Blackhawks get their ass kicked in Denver. So mm-hmm. if anyone well, lives got, out in they, Denver. They got, stuff, they got stuff out there that can help you forget that. Yes, they do. <laughs> yes, they do. <laughs> and uh, uh, <clears throat> I, I may v- may visit an establishment. Uh, I cannot confirm nor deny, but I may visit an establishment out there. When in Rome. Yeah, when in Rome. Exactly. Thank you. <laughs> yep. <laughs> uh, so. Uh, thanks to those guys, I'm hoping to meet them out there, but uh, another guy on Facebook, Joe LaRucci said if Nashville well is the Nashville first first round draft pick, I'm trying to you know it's trying fun. to read this. I, I have it as he wrote it that I'm trying to decipher it a little bit, is the Nashville first round draft pick enough to load the Seabrook contract or would they need to add a mid mid lower pick, prospect, whatever, to get rid of Seabrook's contract? We have, John and I have addressed this several times before. No one's going to take Brent Seabrook. No. no. You would no, have I to give been. up Alex Dobrynkia and more. Maybe and a first-round draft pick to be able to get out from under that contract. And they're not you going to do that. You don't want it. to do that. No. You, you can't. You're trying to get younger. You're not trying to give up your youth. You had to make that mistake one time. Terravinen's doing excellent in Carolina. Um, yeah, you know. So I,
2: I, I was wrong on that one.
0: Yeah, there you go, uh, Stan. Uh, but that was to get out from under one year of Brian Bickle's contract and um, not seven years or six years of, you know, uh, Brent Seabrook's contract. It's just not going to happen. No one's going to do it.
1: Um, right. And I kind of cheated and looked at at some of these questions yeah. that we'll be fielding here, and I think we just eliminated about seven or eight of them by just <laughs> – yeah. See, you're not going to be able to move Seabrook.
0: No, you're not. Just get used to Brent Seabrook being on the team. He's going to be a third line. He's going to be a third pairing guy. He's going to be a power play guy. And he's, he's just, he's going to be a specialist, a high paid specialist. That's what right. He's going to be.
1: But he did in his defense, no pun intended, when they started limiting his minutes a little bit more and more, he was more productive.
0: Yeah, I agree. I agree for sure. Um, you know, he scored a goal the other night. Uh, he's that $7 million worth of
1: good. No, but no, no, no.
0: You know what? Um, at least, you know, he's serviceable. He will give you minutes. He, he will, um, he, and he's a good locker room guy. So, you know, a lot of people dismiss that, but that locker room loves Brent Seabrook. I mean, he's, they, he's, he's basically the captain in that locker room. So, right. you know, anyway, so uh, thanks, Joe, for sending in your question. But uh, sorry, uh, Brent, you, you're stuck with Brent Seabrook for a while. Just start, just pound these uh, words into your head. Compliance buyout. Because that's what you're looking for. Uh, Matt Grunow, uh he's been, you know, he's been all over us for a while. Uh, despite the holes in the defense, if our power play was top 10, is it reasonable to assume that we're at least fighting for a playoff spot? Um Yes. To give, yeah. To give you a short answer. Yes. Uh, if, yeah. if Corey Crawford's with, uh, you know, healthy for most of the season, or he was able to come back and the power play was even in the top half, we'll say top half top 15. Um, you're probably in a contingent for a playoff spot.
1: Yeah, I agree. And I mean, a lot of this team's misery again, and I hate to sound like a broken record. It's just fact. It's just, they have five twenty goal scores. Like they can score some goals. It's just they give up a lot more than they score. Yeah, they do,
0: and they give up a lot of shots. Which you know, right? For a while there, the Blackhawks were really good at shot suppression, and not so much anymore. You give up a lot of shots, you're going to give up a lot of goals, and uh, that's just you know, that's just a fact of life. There's, you don't need fantasy fancy stats to 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 figure that one out. So you know, I was
1: just going to say I'm not a Corsi doctor, but I'm pretty sure that's
0: accurate. I'm an idiot. <laughs> <Thank> you, <Lance. laughs> you really do got one for everything <laughs> yeah well you know what you have to man this guy's freaking delusional <laughs> <laughs> you have to you really have to um moving on to the next one mila stefan uh his first time uh question asker we kind of uh, addressed this i kind of mentioned it a little bit when we were talking with sean but will elgato reach 30 goals before the end of the season I'm going to say no, but the potential is certainly there. Um, I'm just going to say you only got like nine games. He can tend to disappear for, uh, you know, two, three games at a time where you don't see anything from him. So I'm going to say, no, he's going to need five in the last, like what, nine games or whatever. I'm, so I'm going to say no, but that doesn't, that I don't want to take anything away from the 25 goals he scored. He's had an excellent season and, uh, the three hat tricks is a rookie record for the Blackhawks. So, um, you know, as as much as as much crap as I take over the Alex Debrick that thing, you know, I, I gotta give him credit because he's he's done well. So
1: was it he needs five goals in nine games?
0: I think it's five. Yeah, I think he's I think he's at twenty five, and they have like nine games left. Sure,
1: just just on the pure point of disagreeing with you. <laughs> yes, I'll, yes, he'll do it. There you go.
0: Yeah, let's see. They're, what, at 35, so it's 65, 74 games. They're at 74 games right now, so. Yeah. There are, like, eight games left or something. Yeah. We'll go with, sure, why not? (laughs) There you go. All right, we're split on that one.
1: (laughs) Hard-hitting analysis.
0: (laughs) Yeah, okay. My boy Billy Markham, uh, I've known him forever, since he was a kid. I actually coached him when he was a kid. Uh, he says, "How many year, more years does Crawford have left in him?" Uh, mm. I mean, we don't know. We don't know at this yeah. point. The, the Blackhawks are being so cryptic and quiet about everything. Um, you don't know if he's going to play next year. Um, if he plays, comes back, um, I think he could. You know, what is this? Uh, I gotta. I, I would have to look at his. What is how much? How many years his contract has left? But. I think he could finish his contract out. I mean, he's, he's, Sean brought it up too. He hasn't played more than 60 games a year, so he's not burning himself out. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And he's actually been getting a little bit better every year. So. um,
1: I think that's a, that's a hell of a question, Billy. Uh, And I'm sure if you knew the answer, if we knew the answer, Bowman would like to know that answer too, because with, like you said, Gate, just the, the mystery surrounding the injuries and, you know, We all know head injuries are no joke. And if it was really the vertigo and all that stuff, like we've seen the effects of that on, you know, obviously Bickle's case escalated. But I mean, basically, brain injuries and stuff like that, it's still, unfortunately, in here in 2018, just there's a real big question mark around it in all sports. And I mean, as we saw this year and the disaster this season was how vital Crawford is. To this team's success, hopefully, yes, he can fill up, finish out that contract and more. But realistically, at, to answer your question directly, I probably have to say it's year by year.
0: Yeah, we it, we because again, we don't know. We right. we're, we're not doctors, and uh, even though we play one on TV or <laughs> at least on the internet <laughs> or on the twitters, you know, all knowing people on Twitter. <laughs> so, uh, she's <laughs> like. Yeah, if he comes back and he doesn't have any more ill effects, then sure, he could finish out his contract. Uh, otherwise, it's you know, let's just let's just work on getting him into camp next September. And uh, right. we'll we'll go from there. So thanks, Billy. Uh next in line of my other friend Billy, Billy Terrell, Billy the Terrible. If Stan the Man doesn't sign Dylan Sakura, will he get axed? I'm not as worried as a lot of people are about um, about Dylan Sakura being signed. Uh, I think he's going to be signed. They signed his brother. They signed his, you know, they gave him an HL deal. They, they you know, that was kind of like a, a you know, a favor to him. Um, there's going to be spots in the forwards for a young forward to come in and play. I think this is a perfect opportunity for him to learn from a Patrick Kane and the Tays and a Brandon Saad and so on and so forth. I don't see any reason why he would go out and check. It's not like he can make any more money. Um, You do what Kevin Hayes did. And look, he missed a chance at winning a cup. He could have won a cup in 2015 here. And Jimmy VC, like they're not going to win in in, in in New York right now. So, you know, I, I think, I don't think there's any threat of him not signing. I think he's going to be fine. Um, right. But, and I don't and- think if, if they were to let Bowman go, I don't think it's going to be because of, dylan sakura it would be because of other things so
1: right and just i'm in full agreement with you on this point and i think it's mainly because of those two names that you mentioned now a lot of people will say well they don't want to we don't want to repeat of the hayes brothers and all that no it's he saw how they went in other directions and yeah you know vc and hayes they've had good careers but hayes missed out on winning and vc's not exactly, you know, favored to win the cup this year, but uh, I think with the brother aspect, with the openings, the opportunity, and the fact that other guys have tried to seek greener pastures and failed, it's kind of a recipe for him landing in Chicago.
0: Excellent. Yeah. Um, plus, like I said, it, it, there couldn't be any more perfect time. I don't know why. I, I, people keep saying, oh, you know, it's because the Blackhawks suck. They're not, he's not going to want to sign here. That's not the case. That's not no, how it works. Start. 88, 19, two,
1: 7. I mean, come on.
0: It, it, it doesn't work. Yeah, it just doesn't work that way. Because they missed the playoffs one year. All of a sudden, no one's going to sign here. No, that's not the case. They got a 10-year pedigree of, you know, all these players that you know, he, could, he could outplay with, you know, three of the top 100 players of, you know, in, in the NHL uh, of all right.
1: time. I, and uh, come, come here and be a stud and be in a shitty Chevrolet commercial for the Next decade of your life, like it's still a big market. There's still money to be made in endorsements if you play well in this city. That that argument makes no sense to me.
0: No, it doesn't. It, it's people getting the Kevin Hayes thing was a was a unique situation. He was, you mm-hmm. know, it, it's not the norm. It's not what's going to happen all the time. And you've seen a couple people test free agency, but it's not. It's it's not that. It's not. It really isn't. So. Don't just expect Dylan Sakura to sit here to be, you know, dressing as a Blackhawk. Um, maybe not next year. I don't know. But maybe, maybe, but he'll be dressing as a Fingers Blackhawk crossed. at some point in time. Yeah. So anyway, our boy, Mark Pepperzika. he sent in a Happy. question. Pappy. Pappy Hour. Uh, we're going to have him on at some point, too, again. And we're going to have Foran on again. Your this, boys. Uh,
1: this question is officially sponsored by Warrior Hockey.
0: <laughs> yes. Yeah, go go to his uh Instagram. You can see you'll you'll know what we're talking about. Yeah. Um but anyway, what shakeups do you expect and or want to see with the Blackhawks this off season? We kinda really talked about a little bit of this. Mm-hmm. Um, I I mean do you, do you have anything to add on that?
1: No, I mean Yeah, I I was reading uh you know some interesting stuff today about Bowman's track record with drafting players. He is a crappy GM when it comes to managing the cap, but his track record with the NHL draft is something that Blackhawks play, or Blackhawks fans could be kind of excited about. And he's got a lot of picks this year and good picks like high money picks. So I think the shakeups are going to be come with who they bring in and what kids take advantage of this opportunity because as we were just talking about with the like the Black a shot to play in a major city with perennial Hall of Famers has never been better than it is right now in Chicago.
0: Right, exactly. That's that was my whole point in this in this whole thing. People mm-hmm. should be dying to, at this point. They should be like young players should be licking their lips at the opportunity that the Blackhawks can provide. Yes. If they can slot in and fill some of these holes. This, this team could, you know, be right back in the mix again.
1: Oh, without a doubt. I mean, so, um, I was discussing this with someone the other day where if you look at the NHL last year and you put their standings up side by side with the ones this year, for most part, it's like they just completely flip. I don't think there's another professional sports league that has the parody that um, the NHL does. So just because you missed the playoffs one year, you're not the Cleveland Browns. You're not doomed for two decades of failure. It's a hiccup.
0: Right, yeah. And the Bruins did it, and the Kings did it. And, yep. And I brought those, brought those up last time. Like the Bruins, they had a couple down years, and everyone thought they were done and thought they were too old and all that other stuff. Well, here they are this year. They got some young players in, some young promising players, Charlie McAvoy, uh, David Pasternak, and the Kings. They have you know gotten rid of some dead weight, but they've actually hung on to some dead weight as well like Dustin Brown, like he's still there, but you know what? They found a spot for him and he's playing better. And Andre Kopitar all of a sudden found his, his, his scoring touch again. So, you know, they may not win the cup, but they could be in the mix and the Blackhawks could do the same thing. They've they're just as good, if not better than both of those teams when everything's working correctly for them. And I mean, I, and I think somewhere, someone brought up the, uh, the side contract, which I'm going to defend till the day I die. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's a good young player. He's having an off year. He's, he's not going to continue to shoot at this low rate that he's shooting at. He's going to come, he's going to rebound. Right. And, um, just cutting bait because, you know, everything went bad one year is foolish. So, right. And I'm
1: not yeah. big on, you know, guarantees or even talking too much into predictions, but I think I feel very confident in saying sod will be better next year.
0: Yeah, he will be for sure. He can't be worse. Right. Yeah. Um, so, all right, let's see. Uh, Billy Beck, my boy, Billy. Uh, if, it, if the Hawks were to land the number one spot in the draft, would you open mouth kiss John Jekyll? <laughs> 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 um, maybe it's just a handy. No, I I, just, <laughs> I don't know. I, they're never going to do it, but, um, uh, I don't think so. I like John, but I don't like him that much.
1: Hey, the bulls had like a 1.7% chance to get that number one pick back when they got Derek Rose, crazy stuff like this happens all the time. I'll give JJ a big old smooch. If it means the number one pick.
0: <laughs> Excellent. Um, <laughs> Uh, Derek Ciavelis on Facebook says, do you think any changes in the coaching staff will occur next year? Do you think the Hawks will try to move up in the draft especially a top three pick is a possibility and what would goalie options going into next season if Crawford isn't ready? Um, You got anything you want to say on any of that?
1: Uh, Coaching changes only if Q, they won't fire Q, he'll either step down or they'll give him another position. I think you and I talked about this in the organization. Yeah, he would be, um,
0: well, unless he wanted to be out, he would be moved up to like, you know, some kind of front office position because they're not going to, they're not going to want to just pay his contract out.
1: Right. And we touched on stuff like with that with Sean, Um, move up. I feel like the Hawks, whatever they, as we're recording this, they had like a 22% chance
0: something like
1: that. Uh, yeah. I mean, I feel like if they got a top five pick and this, what people are calling loaded draft, I don't see Stan going out of his way to move up. I mean, I'd love it. Yeah. If you go get down let's roll. But um, I don't think any team in the first slot is going to be jumping at the chance to give the Blackhawks a generational type player. Um, and then we've, I think we've talked to goalie options
0: yeah, they're not I, good. Yeah, right. Um, coaching goes. I mean, you, you. I don't know. You, you could see him unload a, a, an assistant coach, but I think Stan Bowman likes Kevin Deneen. I think he likes Granato. I think he likes Samuelson. Oh. Yeah, I, I think he. Th- I, honestly, I've always thought all along that they were grooming one of those three guys to be the next. Be, you know, for Quenville when Quenville does step down, to be mm-hmm. the next. You know, to be the next head coach of the Blackhawks. Uh, I thought originally it was Kevin Denine. He may have lost a little bit of favor lately, but could be Ulf, could be Granado, who knows. You know, uh it, it could be one of any of those guys. Um Do you see him moving up? Uh, you know what? I'm a little more optimistic that Stan may want to make a splash and prove that, you know, and, and whip his hog out on the table and say, you know, hey, I can you know, I I am I am the guy that, you know some people say I am as far as, you know, even though I, I might not necessarily agree, he, he may be willing to say, hey, I'm going to go out and blaze glory. I'm going to move up. I got a chance to, you know, I got two first round draft picks and I I, I, I could package them together possibly and, uh, you know, move up even further. I don't know. He, he you know, if yeah. there's a player that he really wants, he's going to go get him.
1: Frustration is going to play a lot into that too. It's, if you don't think that, him and the rest of the front office and even the players are frustrated or just as equally as not as happy. They all get playoff kickers too, guys. Like they're very not happy with the fact that they're playing golf this year. And, you know, maybe Bowman just wakes up one day and he's pissed off and you know what? Screw it. I'll package both of these together. Let's go.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And, and as far as goals go, I mean, I've named them off before, but if uh, you weren't listening before, I mean, there's Kerry Letton, Yaroslav Halak, Robin Leonard's in RFA, Peter Mrazek's an RFA, Cam Ward, Jonathan Bernier, Eddie Lack, Chad Johnson. I mean, no one's really grabbing. I mean, the the only two that, like, you may – the NHL doesn't do offer sheets, so RFAs are rarely signed away from their, their team. But Connor Hellebuck and uh, Philip Grubauer are – you know, might have uh, – you know, nice futures in the league, but I don't see Stan going out and signing either one to a, uh, to an offer sheet. Um, Hellebuck. I would think that the jets would match uh, at any point. I don't think there's, you could give Hellebuck enough money um, for them to not match it. Uh, Grubauer on the other hand, being a backup goalie in Washington, um, you might be able to get him away, but um, I don't know, you know, I think there's gonna be a bigger market for Philip Grubauer, so mm-hmm. uh, the other guys I mean there's you know anti Ranta's gonna be out there, but I think uh you know the word has it that Arizona's gonna resign him uh Michael Hutchinson Hudobin Pavlik. i mean the the list is not all that great, so uh it's gonna be interesting. I don't know what I don't even know what I would do i mean maybe maybe I would try a Halak. you know if you can get him a yeah. cheap number. If you can get them at a you know a low number to come here and play for a contender, maybe. I, I mean,
1: just off that list of names you just rifled off, you're just hoping a guy comes in at a favorable salary and kind of revives himself.
0: Yeah, well, we'll see. <laughs> I guess yeah, we, I mean, we shall see. Um. All right, next going on, Jeff Jeff Vats. On Twitter, it's VOTS underscore DFS. Uh, talk about Panarin, Sod Trade, final results, in his garbage <laughs> $6 million contract. This is what I'm talking about. Might nope. as well fire up the Seabrooks dumpster fire contract, too. Well, we've kind of talked about that as well. Um, I, you know what? Yeah, sure. Would it be nice to have uh, Artemi Panarin here to score some goals? Sure. Would he have helped the power play? Maybe. Uh, probably. Most likely. Um, but um, in a couple of years, you're not going to be able to afford him anyway. Because yeah, he's gonna probably I'm, be commanding eight million dollars a year or more or more. So That's
1: the big thing. I it's too much of a knee jerk reaction to judge this trade off of one year. Stan's playing the long game here. Uh, like you said, Panarin's gonna get big, big paper very soon. Where Saad, who is here's your daily reminder, younger than Panarin, is under control for a lot longer. So you gotta just let this play out. The knee jerk reaction I mean, yes, we're all seeing Panarin's hat tricks in Columbus and things of that nature, but gotta think big picture here.
0: Yeah, I mean, honestly, um, Panarin's really only leading in assists. They have uh, roughly the same amount of goals, um, right? And just Saad has had a bad year. He's been his shooting percentage is way down, but he's uh, there's several games where I've seen him drive the net hard. Uh, he, he hit the post. He's just had a, a, a lot of bad luck. I believe in Brandon Saad. I like Brandon Saad a lot, and I like I'm Panarin, too. But um, I'm okay. I, I To me, it was still, you know, it, 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 as it plays out over the years, you're going to find out that Brandon Saad was a better deal overall than Artemi Panarin because you get him for, at a cheaper salary for a longer period of time, and he's younger, and uh you know he will he will return he will rebound. You know, players don't mm-hmm. just automatic you know, don't just get bad. You know they're not just bad all of a sudden like that. You
1: can you can sound clip me like you do to Laz right now. Brandon Saad will be a better hockey player next season than he is this season.
0: So I I, I was wrong on that one. <laughs> Back in the box, Laz. So. Yeah, I, I, I'm i with you on that one. I mean, I'll still go out and get my Brandon Saad jersey. Uh, I meant to do it a couple of years ago, right before I got traded. Glad I didn't, but uh, now uh, I got a couple more years of him. Uh, I was thinking Crawford. I don't know, but Crawford or Sod. Mm. Um Who knows? It could be Dylan Sakura. It's certainly not going to be number 12. I don't to Yeah. Um, Sean Sullivan on Facebook, will Seabrook be a Blackhawk next year? Yes, for sure. Moving on. Brent Seabrook's contract is so long. Oh, God, Brent Seabrook's contract is so long. (laughs) Dave Lozo for you, everybody. Um, (laughs) uh, It's been discussed ad nauseum. However, Finuf's contract was seen as equally bad a few years ago, but now he's been moved twice, short of including Cat and Schmaltz. What steps would be willing? I mean, we talked about this. Yeah, it's going to take just, right now. That's what it's going to take. People are not going to take a six point seven five million dollar player that's a third pairing defenseman um, without Seab- a sweetener. Seabrook and tapes, do it. <laughs> God, <laughs> good God. Um, Craig Carlson, uh, would you consider tr- uh, trading DeBrinket and one of the Hawks round for tra- first round draft Jesus. picks to get rid of? No, I would not. Uh, Hosa, uh, now he does bring up the Hosa contract. Um, I, everyone's afraid of the cap recapture. Um, I don't think it's going to be an issue. He's not coming back. Um, wow. he won't formally retire. He'll just set out. Um, I, yeah. I think that they probably need to free up that money if they want to, um, quote unquote, and I hate the fucking term rebuild on the fly. I think they need to clear that money up because having to be cap compliant with Hosa on the roster on day one, for like the next three years or two years or whatever. Um, I think it's two. Yeah, it's, 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 it's just one more kink in in this plan that's going to be harder and harder to, to you know, be compliant for. Um, I, I think they need to clear that money off the books. I do. Because he's not coming back. <laughs> I think people will finally realize we've stopped getting questions. Can Marion Hossa come back next year? No, he's not going to come back. No, he won't. He's not. Marinosa
1: is done playing hockey.
0: Yes, for sure. So, um, uh, Jim Chaplin, our favorite <laughs> Facebook, <laughs> Facebook commenter. Um, what purpose does Thomas, Thomas Yurko serve other than traffic cone? Uh, he doesn't. Uh, yeah, you, I think you got him at traffic cone. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that's, that's just about it. Uh, I am not a Thomas Yurko fan. I wasn't Neither a Thomas Yurko fan when they, dra- when they traded for him and despite uh Stan Bowman saying that uh #6 weeks that he was trying to get a hold of uh this player for 6 weeks if he was then he's a poor evaluator of talent because really yeah. Thomas Yurko is just um you know he's wanted uh, I mean, uh, Tatar Tatar Yeah Tatar the yeah. Tatar Thomas Tatar exactly who's now in, in uh Vegas but uh he's, yes, he's he's not that good let him go um and and the thing that I thought was pretty surprising, um, I like to hear it was on the uh Hawk Talk podcast, uh Adam Burrish, they kind of was throwing some players at him what they thought about, you know, whether they were building blocks, whether they were, you know, I don't know, or just you know, hang on to them, and see what happens, or let them go. He uh he straight out said, get rid of uh let DeClaire go and let uh Yurko go. We don't need any more um perimeter players they need i'm with more,
1: them with yurko yeah. i kind of like declare and i know i'm in a a small fan base here but i'd like to see Declair healthy with a different roster next year and see what he can do
0: yeah i'm not i you know what I'm, I'm 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 quickly losing faith in declare i kind of like you know they brought him in gave him a try but he's turning into look like victor Stahlberg. <laughs> okay fair with, enough with just a ton of speed not able to finish um but you know i guess maybe we'll see i don't know the, i don't know if they're going to qualify him. if they're going to qualify him, they have to give him. you know it's like 110 percent of his salary this year uh I, I don't know yeah um all right do sean fitzgerald uh do the hawks have any cap space to add to the blue line they do, uh, but they have less now that they signed uh, Gustafson and and Ruda. But they will have some uh, cap space, right? Um,
1: and there's going to be moves in the off season, like, right? To start Yurko and things like that, and I mean, but like you said, they got seven demon. right? Where, where, where do we go?
0: The same seven guys, and, and right? What do you do then if you say? And I'm just thinking out loud here. Uh, I'm, I'm not saying that this is even a possibility, but say like a Carlson, a John Carlson comes in. That's and, 7 million a year. Yeah. I, I mean, that's not going to happen, but just say it did say they were able to get him at a decent rate, whatever. Um, who gets sent back to Rockford because you're not going to carry eight defensemen again. You can't. No. Uh, that's, just, that's just a nightmare. Um, you know, or Jack Johnson. I mean, he's not the greatest, but just he could play <laughs> top four minutes. Um Tobias Enstrom is gonna be a UFA. Um Jason Garrison, Alexi Emelin. Uh, Kevin B. X no thank you. Yeah, uh, Charo, no thank you. Uh, again, John Carlson we brought him up. He's the youngest of the group. Uh Lucas Spiza, Dan Hamhuse, uh Josh George's um uh, you know calvin dehan maybe he's a he's a ufa um you know he might be a little guy um but then you get into the rfas with murray truba cc dumba uh ian cole is going to be a ufa maybe i don't know uh I, you know I, none of them really jump out and grab me and say hey we need this guy on the blackhawks but if right. you do bring one in like i said who gets sent down if you've got you know you you just uh, name it right off you know uh, Duncan Keith uh, Brent Seabrook and we'll just say Carlson or whoever you know defenseman not yet to be named or whatever um, you know uh, Gustafson Ruda Forsling uh, who am I missing oh uh, Connor Murphy I mean yep. someone's gonna have to go down and I don't think You know, uh, Gustafson signed a two-year contract to be playing in Rockford, and Ruta's going to have to go through waivers. Um, You can only bury so much of his salary, so some of it would still count against the cap. So I don't think Ruta's going anywhere. So you could send Forsling down. Okay, well, then where's Forsling's development? Um, Yeah,
1: unless you can package one of those guys in a draft day trade, too, to better your situation or something. but
0: Yeah. So I don't know. It's a sticky situation. I I, I don't. I'm not so confident with this. Uh, with with this particular defensive core. So anyway, that's very difficult for a man of my intelligence to handle. All right, let's back in the box.
1: Does he really scream that much on his show? Oh yes. Oh yes. Oh man.
0: And he slurps Ooh. every every time he, he makes a joke that he thinks is funny. He goes, <laughs> slurps. Kind of like That's, another uh, another certain someone on another certain podcast that will go unnamed. Why does he scream like, so much? I don't know. I don't know.
1: It's gonna be okay, dude.
0: <laughs> um, let's see where we at. We uh, bed carp. Could Dylan Sakura see ice time if Northeastern gets knocked out of the first round? Sure, if they get knocked out and they can get them into Chicago before the last eight games of the season. Right. Doubtful, though. I mean, I, if you're yeah, lucky, I wouldn't
1: bet for. I wouldn't bet on it.
0: Yeah, I mean, at this point in time, there's no reason to.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So, I mean, he could, but probably not. Uh, Sean uh, Shorty Cash H on Twitter uh, would would not be a major move, but I'd like to see the Hawks sign Antoine Roussel for the department and uh, a character on the third line. He's a Hawks killer, so make him an offer. UFA rights. Um is he the type of player the Hawks need? I mean, I don't like playing against him, but he is that Andrew Shaw, Ryan Hartman the, type player. I don't I know.
1: wouldn't object to a player of his caliber, but him? No. I don't I don't want him on this.
0: I'm not a big fan of him at all. And, and my friend Selena in uh, Dallas knows uh, she she actually has his jersey. And she knows that uh, I, I am not a fan of Antoine Roussel. I think he's a dirtbag. But you know what? Mm-hmm. I mean, I it was the same with Carcello. I was like, you know, what? I didn't want to see him sign him. That's true. I was not a fan of him. But I'm like, you know, let him let him win me over. You know, I actually it's have true. A, I have a Dan Carcello player shirt that um, that I bought because I was like, you know, hopefully he can turn it around. I'll give I'll I'll have, I'll have an open mind. He didn't. But, uh, whatever. Yeah, no, the I don't think the Blackhawks can afford them. Uh, where one, right. I don't know what his salary is going to be, but I don't think the Blackhawks are going to be able to afford to bring in, you know, unless you can bring him in at, uh, you know, that $1 million, uh, Lance Boma rate, which I don't think you can.
1: No. And yeah, now you, you kind of put my brain in a pretzel there with the Carcillo comparison. I think that's fair.
0: I, it kinda, yeah, it kind of is. Um, Antoine Roussel. Let me look him up. Um, uh, where's his contract? Um seventeen, eighteen. He's making $2 million this year. He is a free agent. He is a UFA. He's, uh, uh, what's his age? 28. I mean, six foot, 200 pounds. He's a left wing. If the money's right, I'm
1: in now. What's that? I'm con- I'm switching sides. If the money's right, I'm in.
0: If you could get him at a cheap deal. Sure. Yeah. A 1 million. He's, he's an upgrade over Lance Bowman. Nothing against Lance Bowman, but he is an upgrade over Lance Bowman. I think, um, mm-hmm. I mean, Roussel, what is he this year? 65 games, five goals, 11 assists. He he draws a lot of penalties. I think he's an upgrade over Boma, but, um, our boy, Sean, or our boy, not Sean, our boy, uh, Aaron Goldschmidt will, uh, would be yelling at the radio because he's Lance Bowman's biggest fan. <laughs> uh relegated Seamus, what's the deal with Ivan or Ivan nail him off. Uh do the Blackhawks roll at the same goalies next year? I don't think they can roll at the same goalies. Nail him off still has another year uh in the KHL, so the earliest you could see him is after his season ends next year. Um but I would not hang my hopes on him. So no. Um
1: mm, no.
0: Ken Kallenbach, if Gate was a true fan. Wouldn't he? Would he defend Cat's honor when people say McSavior is better? <laughs> that, I can't believe that
1: was a real question. And yeah, he was for context.
0: A, yeah, he's giving no, me
1: crap. No, I know he's giving yeah. you crap. But the fact that someone actually asked Coach Quinville if they if he would compare DeBrinket to Connor McDavid, and was serious about asking that question. <clears> yeah, it's mine. not even close.
0: I mean, there's a reason. Sean mentioned it. There's a reason that or that has uh, been playing on the third line. He's been kind of sheltered. Mm-hmm. It, it just you know they they they're putting him in a position. Quenville is actually doing a pretty decent job of putting him in a position to succeed. So yeah, and Conor McDavid is. Oh. I mean, Connor yeah. McDavid is the best player in the world. Yes, Alex is not even close. He's not even the best player on his team. So, <laughs> you know. He's a good player. He's going to probably be pretty good, but he's not better than Patrick Kane. Period. Period. (laughs) So, and, you know, Conor McDavid's better than Patrick Kane. So, there you have it. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Shy Sox history. Gate, why do you hate America? I don't hate America. Come on. Mm, Uh, You don't like baseball. (laughs) (laughs) You know what? I got bored. I got bored with baseball. I was a big Red Sox fan from 86 till... They won their second title, uh, and then I just kind of get bored with it. I uh, I have a short attention span, so I don't like to sit around <laughs> and watch baseball games. Ooh, squirrel. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So, um, how realistic is it for the team to compete or to do a complete overhaul and go into rebuild mode? Would they trade Keith? If they were going to do that, yeah, they would probably trade Keith because he has some value. I don't think they're going to do a complete overhaul. It I don't think be. they can. It's it's unreal. Yeah, it's unrealistic. Yeah, you'd have... I think the, the no-move uh, clauses pretty much uh, cement the fact that they have to do the quote-unquote rebuild on the fly, uh, which I hate. <laughs> but um, Your
1: voice goes up like two octaves when you have to say rebuild on uh, the fly, I and hate it's that. awesome.
0: I hate it. I hate that that term. But um, that's kind of what they're doing. They're reloading. I would rather call it reloading. Yeah, I like that. Yeah. But uh, yeah, that's so. That's right. and Johnny Utah. What are the first first two moves you make in the draft with this team once the season ends? I mean, oh jeez, <laughs> I would have <laughs> let uh, either Ruda or Gustafson go. One of them, maybe kept one of them.
1: I would have okay. kept Ruda.
0: Yeah. Um. Other than that, I mean, uh, you, you know, could could you move up? Sure. It depends on where 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 they're at in the draft um they need i think their forwards are okay if you got sakura coming in you got a couple of young guys i think their forwards could be all right yeah
1: they're like i said you got five twenty goal scorers yeah
0: and uh you know i i would move, try to move Anissa muff as soon as this no trade goes mm-hmm. or um i would try to see if you can get something for him uh but just because of the salary get the salary off the books get the host of salary off the books Um, then uh, pretty much you're not sweating the Seabrook salary as much. Um, You know, and I kind of said this with John in the last podcast. You know what? If it makes you feel any better, take $2 million off of um, Brent Seabrook's contract and throw it on uh, Forsling's contract and just say it's his money. If it makes you feel any better and and it makes you, know, (laughs) you stop having nightmares about, you know, the Brent Seabrook contract, then okay, fine. Um, but you're just going to have to learn to deal with it. So you, you got anything as far as moves other than that that you, you could think of?
1: No, it's just, I mean, there's a lot of unknown right now. I got to see how those ping pong balls pop out and uh, go from there.
0: Okay. All right. Yeah.
1: I mean, I at this point, it's, it's unrealistic to think it's going to be a full rebuild because you can't move two and seven. I mean, you'd have to get one of those huge contracts off the book. Obviously, Sharp's not coming back. There's a lot of things that are going to happen. Yuriko's not coming back. And, I mean, can you package a guy with one of the two first-round picks you have? Can you package – you know, there's just – there's a lot of different scenarios. We could sit here for another two hours and talk about all of them. But um, until the draft lottery is done and I see where they're picking with that first pick – um, I mean, just hold tight.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So that wraps it up, I think, my friend. Yep. So, well, we kind of mentioned earlier, I mean, formerly of the 312 podcast, you. <laughs> yep. Um, but we're still with Sports Mockery. Um, yes. Just because people probably wonder, you know, what's going on. Um, You got anything, you know, in the hopper or anything like that? Um, You know, kind of put uh, you on well, the spot here.
1: I mean... Yeah, just uh, Sports Mockery is just – there's a lot of exciting things coming down the pipeline with them, so make sure you keep an eye out. Um, And then as far as my podcasting goes, uh, I'm probably going to be doing a baseball show. Kind of not my strongest wheelhouse, but I am a diehard Sox fan, so we are going to be launching a White Sox and a Cubs podcast, so I'm going to take the White Sox one. Um, and then we're going to have another, uh, hopefully, sooner rather than later, Chicago-style sports podcast where we'll touch on all sports. Uh, hopefully have that out by the end of April.
0: Cool. Well, you know, we support you guys, so.
1: Feelings mutual.
0: Yeah. So, um, well, you know, it was good to have you on. Uh, oh, yeah, always. Cool. All right, well, um, John and I and, and the group over at, at the rink.com. You can find all of our wonderful content at that website. Uh, you can find us on the popular social media, which is uh, Instagram, Twitter, and uh, Facebook at the rink official. You can follow the rinkcast account at the rinkcast. Uh, you can follow me on the Twitters at puck and hostel. You can find my boy double J uh, at Jaykel, J uh, A E C K E L. My boy, Southside. Uh, Southside zone, right? Yeah. Yep. And the Twitters. Uh, yes, sir. Uh, if you get a chance, please hate, uh, head over to iTunes rate, review us. No new reviews this time around, but I'll read them if we do get any, um, plugs. Um, I know someone mentioned today we might do. So this summer, we might do kind of a white Sox outing for the, the dash rink. Ooh. Yeah. Um, where we all get together, and maybe go to a socks game. Uh, Fuck the Cubs. <laughs> but, Agreed. Yeah. But, you know, it's something different. You know, everyone does all these other things. Let's, maybe we'll, we'll go out and sit in the bleachers and have a good time this summer and uh, enjoy our summer of uh, futility. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah. Uh, also, I don't want to forget our exclusive sponsor, the Premium uh, Premium Hockey Outfitters at puckhockey.com, dot ycom uh, Use this time code THE RINK. Uh, get yourself some stuff there. Now you guys got some t-shirts. I bought some t-shirts this year. Uh, you guys were doing, um, I, I imagine you guys are going to adjust your line a little bit, but, um, you guys got some, yeah, there's, there's there.
1: some changes on the one, but, uh, I've been and I, I apologize. Okay. Cause I, I've looked at it twice and I've never pulled the trigger on the order, but I'm, there's a lot of good stuff out there. Yeah. Uh, definitely it's worth checking out and, uh, I gotta get some gear.
0: Yeah, for sure. Um, I think that's just about it. So, uh, everybody, you, you have any more, you, you don't have any more uh, plugs? I just want to make sure I don't miss any plugs.
1: <laughs> nope, no, not even cool. hair plugs. <laughs>
0: yeah, well, it's coming from, speaking to the bald guy. Um, yeah. <laughs> but, um, like I said, I will be out in Denver if any of you are out there. Um, I'm going to try and visit Justin Goldschmidt from the Goalie Guild. I'm going to try and uh, hook up with Aaron Goldschmidt. He's out there. Uh, it's Aaron, Go- yeah, Justin Goldman and Aaron Goldschmidt and then uh, the guys from the, uh, the Talking Hawks podcast I will be at the game, the Blackhawks game where they're probably going to get murdered out in Denver but I'm going to have fun anyway um, so thanks for taking the time out of your busy schedules to download, listen and support us until next episode see you on the rink.
1: take care